This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back, everybody, to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 76. Um, this week, it's our third to last episode of the Year in Review series. So if you haven't been listening along, Year in Review series, we cover a specific promotion, um, basically everything that happened in that promotion for that year, with guests that definitely followed it closely throughout the year. And you know, once we recap the year, we do awards picks for who we think are the you know MVP match of the year, wrestle of the year, all that kind of good stuff. And if they're like contenders for overall awards and you know answer your questions. So it's a good time. And this week we're here to handle a promotion that's definitely in the news lately. Um for a mixed bag of reasons, I guess you could say, for some acquisitions and for some departures. So obviously this week we're covering Ring of Honor. Um, my guest this week this is the only episode I think with the exact same guest as the previous year interview. So I have Sean and Joe back on from last year, both Voices Wrestling contributors. Both have been on the show many times. Hi, Sean. Hi, Joe. How's it going? Hello. It's going, uh, going okay. You know, I was going to say, like, ROH year in review, it feels like you're on the Titanic and we're about to hit the iceberg. <laughs> but we're going to review how the trip has been so far. It's like, well, my so deal far. was nice and the band played really well. You know, <laughs> kind of missing the point. But uh, things things may be looking up a little bit. We'll get into that. Yeah, I mean, I like the acquisitions. I can't really, especially the, the latest one, which mm. I can oh, yeah. talk about at the end. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I think I had a tweet the other day that was like, you know, this this company... I, I might enjoy it a lot more. Like it might be a lot better to me personally than the elite era and probably play to crowds like half the size if they're, if they're lucky half the size. So it's certainly going to be one of the most 
fascinating promotions to follow in 2019. I yeah. think that's that's a certainty. Yeah. But before we do that, like like Joe said, let's track the Titanic in 2018. Um, so Ring of Honors 2018, uh, where we last left off the end of 2017. You know, at this point, oh God, I'm trying to think who the fuck is champion. Don Castle just won the fucking Ring of Honor. I that I have like zero memory of Dalton Castle, Ring of Honor World Champion. And I saw him in several, definitely in several shows, but like, I just like totally blanked that Dalton Castle was Ring of Honor World Champion. It seems like a million years ago, but yes, that's how the year ended with Dalton Castle defeating Cody for the Ring of Honor World title at the end of Final Battle 2017. I don't remember what we thought of that. <laughs> I should have gone back and listened. I I think we we sounded like sort of hopeful, if I remember correctly. Like we were like, oh, maybe this will work. Um, what we didn't know was that his body was like being held by duct tape. So it yeah. seems to be, um, but yeah, I mean like the, the Dalton Castle title reign, I guess let's do very macro even before he, um, you know, we find out that he's very injured. I don't think that was going particularly well. Um, maybe you guys disagree if, you know, two people who follow a lot more closely than I do just from as an, a casual observer who, you know, would pop in, it felt very overshadowed by the elite. Is that, is that perception? Either of you disagree with that perception? I wouldn't disagree with that necessarily. I think the, the rain got off to a good, a good start. I mean, he had a, a decent, I think his first defense was against punishment Martinez on ROH TV. And that was a pretty good match. Um, and then I guess his next two higher profile matches were the, uh, the three way at, on a rising with beer city bruiser and Beretta, uh, a Beretta who was like at that point was being held together by like tape and whatnot. And that was a surprisingly good match. And then I think he followed that up with arguably with the Jay lethal match. Yeah. Which was fantastic. Yeah. Which was arguably the best match of his reign. I think we can all agree with that. Um, And I, I think the the Marty Skrull match was disappointing in a lot of ways. I think at that point, is when his title reign started to unravel. And I, and from what I can recall, I think it was actually in that match where he suffered the back injury. Um, Cause I believe what happened is that he got, so, so you know how on uh, the bigger ring of honor shows, they have sort of those, the stage and it has the stairs that go down to the floor. Well, I think during that match, he got backdropped onto those stairs. And I think that's where he got the back injury. And from there it was sort of just, he missed a title defense against Matt Taven. And then I think in the UK, he had a title defense against evil. That was just not very good because he was still, you know, banged up. And that was really dis- disappointing because, you know, evil and Dalton castle on paper. sounds like a really good match, but I want to, I want to back up for a sec. Cause I, you brought up the, the exact turning point, which is Dalton castle versus Marty scroll. I think that's, I think that's it. Now in hindsight, you could totally see where they were coming from with this. Because it's like, okay, we're going to put our world title. This is our, this is our media weekend show. You know, the show that's going to have the big, most amount of eyes on us probably all year, except for maybe Final Battle. And, you know, we're going to put our world title match in the main event with two guys who are under contract. Because, you know, I don't know if they knew that Cody was going to leave at the end of the year, but I'm sure they knew it was a possibility that he would, especially since Cody, um, you know, from all reports, he was on, he was under contract even, um, even shorter than everybody else. Like he's been working without a contract for months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they knew that contract was coming up. 
So, so and it's almost like you could totally understand what their thought process was. It's like, we're going to put our two guys in the main event, you know, who are both under contract for our world title over, you know, guest star Kenny Omega, who I don't think worked another match with them all year. And Cody, who's, you know, might leave. It turns out did leave. But that decision is still really, really bad because it made their world title and their, you know, their champion look incredibly secondary. And I don't know if that would have been the case. I, maybe this, the way this happened is just completely, there was no way to solve this problem that no matter what they did, Dalton was going to come up off like, you know, uh, a lesser star compared to Cody and Omega. But I just think if you put that match on earlier in the show and they have a good match, not a 31-minute match after a 37-minute Cody Omega match, maybe the crowd likes the match a lot more. Maybe they're not burnt out from the match they came to see, Cody and Kenny. And maybe Dalton comes off a lot better because I do think that's the turning point. I do think, you know, I just think a decision that is totally defensible that I completely get where they were coming from with by doing it, I think just completely backfired on them. Yeah, uh, Joe, I, do you have any thoughts on this? No, I, I agree. That was kind of the, the Rubicon there where he, you know, the match was really pretty lame. It went forever. I have no idea how anyone, I went to, back to watch that, that show and it, it took me like days, like to get through it. Cause it was just so <laughs> yeah, long. Was I was just long, like, God have mercy. Long. I don't know how anyone sat through that. I mean, that's still the, you know, like you said, it was the most attended ring of honor show of all time. Uh, they probably should have had them, you know, maybe open the show. Say, I want to defend this title now. Have a quick, hot little match. And I think that would have helped a bit because he was, he was at that point, badly overshadowed by the elite. And a lot of people asking, like, well, why is this guy the champ when all these other guys are so much more popular and noteworthy? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I totally agree with that as well. You know, I admire their decision to put that match on last, you know, being in the world type, beating, you know, putting the world title match on last. You want to promote guys that are under contract, but you know, e- even though they had sold on for that show, they had sold a decent number of tickets up to the point where Cody versus Kenny was announced. You know, Cody versus Kenny, that was the real main event. And that was the match that people, you know, that that was the match they came to see. And that most of the people who were there paid to see. Um, and, you know, the fact, obviously, the fact that both matches went really long didn't help things either. But. Yeah, and yeah. In, in hindsight, uh, you can respect their their thinking, but ultimately, it was not the right decision to put that match on last. Yeah, um, but we got a little ahead of ourselves. But I just wanted to that. I mean, that that topic was interesting. So Dalton's reign not great, <laughs> basically, and started out pretty well, and you know, ended on a whimper with him very injured and having to drop the title. Um, but let's move back. I guess it's trying to see if there's anything early in the year that's all that interesting. Um, not really. So we can jump right to, I mean, we can, the honor rising shows in Korok and those are really more new Japan shows. I mean, maybe this is a really the beginning of the bad sign. I, for, for ring of honor and their level of interest where like by far the biggest thing on that show, obviously is the golden lovers reunion, which just has nothing to do with ring of honor at all. Right. I mean, it's, it's, you know, two new Japan guy or new Japan guy and a freelancer. And, you know, that's obviously the, this is where the the Bullet Club, the Bullet Club split storyline and all that being the lead stuff, you know, I don't know. To me, it really felt like it totally overshadowed anything else going on in Ring of Honor. Is that how it felt to you guys at the time? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, no. It's, yeah, I mean, you look at, uh, 
I was just I was going over the honor rising shows. I forget like the weird two day run the Beer City Bruiser had against uh, Hiroki Goto, and then he just shows up in the main event, and you know, actually he, he did pretty okay. It was he was really fun on those shows. He like, was. Yeah, it was like, yeah. What the like? And and, and again, that three way with Beretta and Castle that was pretty good as well. Yeah, and w- with despite the fact that you know Beretta was clearly injured going into that match and couldn't do much, but um, you know, obviously the ring of new japan thing that's going to be like very interesting for next year since oh, yeah. you never know i mean it's going to be like what what do all these people leaving of honor mean what i mean there's going to be auto rising shows next year they're already scheduled yeah so like so the, are the elite guys not allowed to be on those yeah. it's like it's very a lot of open questions i think because it looks like to me the elite guys are going to s- try to stay in new japan like it seems like they want to, and I, I really, right? I don't know. I mean, New Japan likes Ring of Honor, but I, I can't see them being like, uh, "We're not going to have the elite here anymore because you know they left you guys." So I mean, it just seems really right. unlikely. I mean, they're, they're sure as shit not going to do that with Kenny. Um, I don't know about the rest of them. I think the rest of them probably they'll let them stay if they want to stay. But Kenny for sure isn't ain't going anywhere. I, um, I, I do want to add one quick note about the Honor Rising shows. I do think it was pretty cool that this year they decided to make them feel a little more, I guess, more like an ROH show. That was <laughs> hilarious, actually, because like they made them visually look more like Ring of Honor shows while like there was like almost no Ring of Honor people on the shows. It was like, like there are very few unless you count the Bullet Club people. Right. So, but I, I, I do know, appreciate that fact because the previous years they were basically just you know, Corkin shows with Ring of Honor talent on it, whereas this yeah, year they tried to make them a little more, at least a, it, visually it looked different than, you know, your typical New Japan show. Yeah, but if you, if you don't count the Elite, I think, or like other guys that, that all, wrestle there all the time, like the best friends, like there was nobody really on the I mean, there's Cheeseburger, Delirious, I'm just going Beer City Bruiser. Uh, Beer City Bruiser, Dalton Castle, Jay Lethal. I think that's it. Yeah, I think uh, that's everybody. Your friend and mine, Flip Gordon. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> well, he went on to wrestle Best of Super Junior, so I guess he just. I suppose. It, but yeah, but no. I mean, at the time, you're right. That's another one. So it's like five guys. So I don't know. It's something. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, this year, look. I, I, I at the time I was like, well, who the fuck are they going to bring over? Now it's like, yeah, bring over PCO and uh, <laughs> Bantito. Yeah, and, sure. <laughs> yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. Um, did Sean, did you go to Manhattan Mayhem in March? I just saw that here. I did. Actually, yeah, well, I have was, a lot of memories of that show. I didn't um, even I did not even think of going to this. So well, this is a TV taping, right? Or no, the, no, the TV taping was in June. Uh this was oh, a, okay. a live event. It was sort of they were sort of doing their what's the thing? So they, they started doing a sort of taboo Tuesday sort of gimmick last year with a show where they had sort of fan voting online and then fan voting at the show for some of the card. Yeah. And they, they sort of combined that with this show, but then they had to change around the card because I think there was a bad, some bad weather that weekend in SCU who were supposed to be in the main event, missed their flights or they just couldn't get into town. And they ended up being replaced by the kingdom in the main event, which, you know, uh, Young Buck, Smarty Girl, and Hangman Page versus, you know, Shane Taylor and the kingdom as your main event. <laughs> Doesn't sound that interesting, but it was it was actually a lot of fun. It was sort of it was sort of worked like a war games match without the cage, where they sort mm. of started with two, and then you know every five minutes somebody came out, and that was the main event where Paige did a moonsault off the balcony, which was pretty cool. <laughs> um, 
the only a couple of other memories from that show that I re can recall um because there were a bunch of actually CMM CMLL guys on that show um earlier in the night they had what could be probably the worst Ring of Honor match of the year <laughs> Punishment Martinez versus Soberano which... Soberano just cannot fucking wrestle outside of Mexico well, well, his, his New Japan run sucked too yeah well what was weird is because you know I saw some of his work in the yeah he's he's great in CMLL yeah. I've seen him, I, I I've watched seen yeah I watched Fantastica Mania or at least I reviewed one of the shows this year and I really liked him so when I saw that match I was really excited but it's you bizarre. Know, it's bizarre. I, guess, I mean, I, I, I can't remember the last time a guy was that good in his own promotion because I think he's very good. And you know, I don't watch a lot of lucha, but when I see him on and CMLL and even even in Fantastica Mania, which I guess is more of like you know a lucha environment to him, he was great. And then yeah. he comes to that he comes to that junior tag like and he was just he was like god awful in that thing. Well, I think part of the problem with this Manhattan show was that the, the luchadors, I guess, had problems getting into town. And mm. I forget what happened with Soberano. It was either he basically went straight, he got to the venue and went straight to the ring, or like only had like five minutes to work out his match and then went out to the ring, because I guess it was supposed to be the opener, but they just decided to put it on third. And it was like clear, like they had no communication. They were, they were botching all over the place. And it was, I mean, I, I put it mostly on... it. it it seemed like at the time it was mostly on Soberano, but you know, it's understandable. It's not, it wasn't a bad match because both guys are bad. It was a bad match because, you know, one guy just showed up and they didn't get to, you know, work out a proper match. Yeah. But uh, I also thought it was interesting, you know, because the semi main was Dalton Castle and Volador against Jay Lethal and Ultimo Guerrero. I find it interesting that, you know, it feels like the CML, CMLL guys, whenever they show up in Ring of Honor, they're, they're like not over at all when they come out. But they do manage almost every time to sort of like win the crowd over as the match goes on. Um, yeah, like, it's really, like, it is really weird, right? Like how not over all of them are. Like even like Dragon Lee never seems that over. Right, but but again, but again, I feel like once the match gets going, once they do their stuff, the crowd gets into it. Like you know, in this match, you know, when Ultimo Guerrero is doing his raise the roof thing, like nobody was into it when he like first came out. But then, like halfway through the match, they did a spot where I think Boldor went to go do a dive to the floor. Ultimate Grow caught him and then, like, just power bombed him on the floor. And then, this, as soon as he started to do the race roof thing right after that, everyone in the building just started doing it. <laughs> so, yeah, they, I mean, they're pretty charismatic. They send charismatic guys more or less over. Yeah. So guys like Volador and uh, Ultimate Guerrero tend to fare pretty well. I also like to say, uh, Adam Page jumping off high things is what transitioned him into being a uh, the most improved worker of 2018. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, he's doing moonsaults to the floor. He's awesome now, but he Off actually balconies. Had, uh, yeah, balconies and stuff. That's all I want, man. And then he went to G1 and like actually did regular matches that were great. So yeah, yeah one of the so. only good parts about that eight block, and then wrapped up his year really well. I don't know. He, he something clicked with him. Um, I don't know when exactly. But it, it's like that old thing. Off things. <laughs> well, I don't even think it's just jumping off high things. It's like God. that old thing where like these people go to Japan, they just learn how to wrestle. I don't know, I don't know what it is, but it's been that way as long as I as long as I've been a fan that these guys go on these Japanese tours and whatever it is, they just come back way better. Yeah, yeah he was he was a guy who was like he didn't really bring anything to the table like in his John Deere days, and then when he was in the in the decade, he like actively took things like off the table, but now he <laughs> actually contributes quite a bit. So yeah, yeah, it's crazy to think how long he's actually been in the company. 
Like he, I think his first match was in like 2012. He's been, he's been around for like that long. In our yeah, and he's still so young too, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then the 16th anniversary show was March 9th, their first real pay per view of the year. Um, I definitely watched this show. I'm trying to remember it. I think, um, what I rec- recall, you didn't like it that much. Where yeah, I think the main event saved it for me. Yeah, I thought. And I think I yeah. don't. I don't think I hated it as much, or not hated, but I don't think I disliked it as much as you did. But I, I did think it was a very, you know, unbalanced show. There was a lot of really good to great things, but then there were also a lot of sort of meh kind of things. Yeah. The, okay. So I remember. Here's the last two matches. That tie title match was, I remember, being one of the worst matches of the year. The the Briscoes and the Motor City Machine, Motor City Machine Guns. It was like they're they're just done or something. I don't know. That's the first time it was like, wow. I don't know what the Briscoes are that, doing. That was a very that was a very weird match. I mean, I yeah. I technically I thought it, like the actual wrestling in the match was fine. The problem that I had with it is that it just they worked it like the total opposite dynamic that they had been building up on TV, where the Briscoes were like clearly positioned as the heels, but in this match, like. Saban and Shelley were clearly they were working heel, like overtly heel. Yeah, just and the crowd just did not give a shit. Yeah. But um, but the main event was awesome. I and mean, then this is that to me, like Ring of Honor did this twice to me this year, I think. Both involving Jay Lethal, actually, who did you know, who doesn't always stand out. But here, you know, if you're gonna give me a crappy pay-per-view, at least if you give me a really good main event at the end, I can feel a little bit better about having spent my time and money. And they gave, like, I mean, I would go, I think I went, like, four and a quarter on this. So this is really awesome. It's a really yeah. great main event between Dalton and Jay Lethal. Went almost 26 minutes. But, yeah, this was this is, like, going to be on my ROH match of the year list. It was a very good match. Yeah, it's going to be on mine as well. I just, it just really felt like a big-time world, world title match. And the one spot I'll always remember from that is I think I forget I think it was Dalton Castle gave Jay Lethal a, a German suplex off the apron to the floor, <laughs> which is which is crazy. But yeah. yeah, we'll definitely be talking about this match later in our in our top ROH matches this year. Yeah, it was almost uh, yeah. it's on my list too. It was almost shockingly good because I wasn't super into either guy at the time. But uh, to their credit, they had an excellent match. Yeah, it's exactly how I felt where I just wasn't you know into either guy either, and they just blew me away there. Um, a guy I'm not into that I don't know. The, of all the people bring on pushes, the most confounding to me is Kenny King. I don't really under like he doesn't bring to me. He's the guy in the company that brings nothing to the table. Like, like he's. <laughs> I was gonna say like I mean they tried with him last fall. Like they had him. They gave him a, a face turn. Uh, the, you know they get promo packages. They had him beat Kushida for the TV title. Like the, you know they they tried and no one really cares. And I think you have to just say look. We did our best here, and you know you got to move on. Like he's he's not bad, but just like if he vanished, would anyone really <laughs> ever he's, notice? He's like the ultimate. He's the ultimate example of a guy to me. Like yeah, he, just no. doesn't, he brings a little bit of charisma to the table, and he's not the worst worker. But like, just crowds. There's just something about him that crowds do not like remotely care. Like they, I just right. He has the deadest crowds, and he never really turns them around. Mm-hmm. When yeah, I, when he I was the, uh, Bullet Club silencer that was his gimmick that uh became a little obsolete in, uh, <laughs> yeah because he was he was cheating to beat the Bullet Club but that didn't really go anywhere yeah. so I don't know what they do with him I mean ugh. I mean l- last year when they pushed him I I sort of understood why they were doing it because he was coming off of his appearance on The Bachelor 
and and it was it was good to see a company like I feel like you know WWE gets criticized for like not taking advantage of like when their wrestlers you know do outside things and like they don't promote it if they like didn't like sort of do it themselves. So I I do give ROH credit in that regard for at least recognizing that hey this guy has been on national TV on a popular TV show and you know deciding to give him give him a try. But you know and plus I. I the fact that he kept trading the TV title back and forth to Silas Young for like four months or five months probably didn't help either. Yeah. No, they had a you. TV match that was really good, but yeah, it's, yeah. they had short reigns and it didn't really but do I, much I, for anyone. I don't have a problem with Kenny King that much as a wrestler. I, mean, I think he's fine, but that's just it. He's sort of, he's, he's just fine. And they sort of like, like sort of Joe alluded to earlier, they did try to give him a renewed push, you know, this year as a heel. And he had a world title match with, you know, Jay Lethal in Toronto. And they, you know, I'll, I'll, again, I'll give ROH credit because they, in the build up to that match, they uh, did all of the right things to build up a title challenger. And they did all, like, all the right things in the match to make you think that Kenny King would win. Like, they, they, they went so far in that match. And I know this is like a show that happened like only a month ago, but like, they went so far as to have Kenny King, like, do a clean kick out of the lethal injection during that world title match. I mean, it was probably Kenny King's best match in a long time, but like nobody bought him as a, like a guy who could beat Jay Lethal in that match. He's just, yeah, he's, I, I don't really like he's, you know, ring of honor doesn't always push people correctly, but I don't really blame them on this one. I just think if anything, they've been too persistent with it. Like it's time to, yeah, it's probably time to cut your losses well before this. So I don't know. I mean, maybe he could be a good little undercard heel now, but like, if they're like trying to position him as any kind of like player in 2019 as a heel, I, don't, I just don't think it's going to work because it mm. never has worked for him heel or babyface. So, um, you know, maybe they could put him on a tag team again. That's about the only thing you could really say. Yeah. Um, but I just noted that because he was TV champion on this yeah. show, which I was like, oh yeah. Um, and this show also had Kenny Omega as the bear. Yes, I was going to say it had a really weird match where Cody came out. For he he was a bay face against Matt Taven, but the crowd also did not like him because he was right in the middle of like being the Uber heel of being the elite, which was building up an already announced match for like you know what like a month later in at, at Mania weekend, and you know he just it was a really weird dynamic, and then after he beats Taven, yeah, Kenny Omega unmasks the bear, which I guess was a kind of cool moment, but it was just very like all right. I don't like it didn't really go anywhere, but I thought they'd do something on TV the next night, but I don't think Kenny did anything. I think they so. did do a they did do a on the TV tapings, they did do like a confrontation, but that was that was yeah, really but he, he didn't do he didn't do a match or anything. Right. No, 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 no. He didn't do a yeah. match. But he was there. He just didn't really do any match yeah. of any kind. Um, I don't know. Any final thoughts on the show? It was it was the undercard. I, I think if you liked if you liked the crazy brawl more than I did probably the SoCal centered against Bullet Club. Six man title match. That was another one. I think most people probably liked that more than I did. Yeah, um, Hermo Hermo and Flip was I thought was pretty good. I thought Marty Scroll and Martinez was a great sort of like ten minute sprint match. And yeah, I remember that being pretty decent. Yeah, and and the street fight. You know, you know what you're going to get with those six guys. You know, Xarian, yeah. Scorpio Sky, Daniels, the Bucks, Hamman Page. It wasn't their best sort of uh, matchup between those guys this year, but it was it was really good. It was enjoyable for what it was. I'm trying to. Figure out when the fuck did the SCU being the elite push really start? That's still a few months away, right? I think. 
I, in terms of like doing the worst town thing. Yeah, I think I that's they were already away. doing it. I think they were already doing okay. it at this point. Okay, because I don't. I'm trying to remember like in my head when, because like all of a sudden they were really over, and I don't think we're quite there yet. I think it's still a few months away from when they're like right. Yeah, they're they're still, they're still heels at this point. I don't think they start yeah. turning face until like the summer. Yeah, yeah, they're really like all in where they. All in, they're like just suddenly like yeah, super fucking faces. But I think even before that, they were starting to get cheered, even though they were technically still heels. Right. Um. Okay. So that's the anniversary show. Any any other final thoughts on it? Pretty good show, I guess, but not not great. Not a great undercard, but a great main event. So always helps. Right. Um. Not a pretty good show. On the other hand, Supercard of Honor, April seventh during Mania weekend. As we said, this is like the the most attended um, ROH show of the year. And it does have one really awesome match, which speaking of a guy we were just praising, um, Kota Ibushi and Heyman Page, they do they go 14 and a half minutes. I went four and a half on this. This is like, uh, if you miss this match, because it's like the it's like the third match on a like 10 match long <laughs> Ring of Honor show, like go back and watch that match. That's like one of my favorite matches of the year. It's such a good match. Oh yeah, um, it was it was fantastic. You had you know Bucci German suplexing Heyman Page off the barricade and all sorts of yeah. like crazy stuff in that one too. Like just yeah. they went. I remember they, they there was like some Larry on the floor. I think that it just like went crazy for that. Just a really insane match, if I remember correctly. Um, so that's something, and I definitely want to point that out because I think it's easy. It might have been easy for to miss that. Um, but this show is just so fucking long, and you know by the time you get to that. Goddamn bully Ray angle third from the top. Yeah. Um, Cody and Kenny goes 37 minutes. Um, I don't know. Do either one of you like that match? I, I really hate that match, but like not as much as I hated the San Francisco match. But I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of Cody and you know Kenny it can be very hit or miss for me, as people listening to this know. So if any if anyone else wants to defend that match as being actually good. I'm all uh, I mean, I, it was it was all right, but I will never watch it again as long as I live. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think I liked it as much as Dave Meltzer apparently did. Um, well, Dave Meltzer ha- has never met a Kenny Omega match he wouldn't give four stars to, apparently. So yeah, <laughs> I, honestly, i i didn't I didn't love both of the Kenny Cody matches, but i i did I did think that both were. I mean. I, I did think this first one was really good, and I did think the second one, even though, and we had sort of a similar disagreement last year, John, with uh, that Okada Omega match from the G1. But I think this is a sort of another one. I, I didn't, I didn't love the second match, but I thought it was close to being on par with the first one. Uh, not mm-hmm. like amazing, but you know, I, I thought at the time that was fine. But honestly, as far as like the show goes, I actually thought that like in real time. If the show had ended after the ladder match, it like that first half, you know, aside from the Women of Honor, you know, title final, was like a, you you weren't gonna find a better first half, I think, of a show all year. So I thought you know Chucky e. T versus Jonathan Gresham was a pretty good like actual opener to the show, and then Punishment Martinez and Ishii that was a really fun like eight minute match where Martinez managed to, which was a shock to me, he beat Ishii clean. Uh, that's still kind of is shocking to me even now, but and then you yeah, had it you know, looks kind of stupid after they right, <laughs> yeah. But then you know after that you had Ibushi and Page, and then 
yeah. Roman Reigns title match, which, which which you know we could talk about that stuff in a little bit. But then the latter match was like pretty incredible too, even though it had you know some interference at the end of the Kingdom. You know, Ring of Honor ladder matches you really can't go wrong with those. Yeah, yeah. This show is kind of the opposite of the last one, where a great main event kind of made up for the rest of the show. Where this one. The last two matches were like such drags. I kind of forgot there was some really good stuff on the show. And the first half, like Sean said, was really uh, almost as good as it gets for this company this year. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't necessarily hate a lot of the other stuff on the like the second half of the card. Like I thought the the tag title match and the TV title match. Like I thought those I thought those two matches were both like good, but like you know Briscoes and. Tanahashi and Lethal probably went like five minutes longer than they needed to. And I didn't think it was the best idea to put a last man standing match after like a crazy ladder match like that happened earlier in the show. So. Yeah. And again, Kenny, like, again, we need Kenny King four from the top in the TV title match. It's just that's a spot that really probably should have gone to somebody with a little more, you know, like potential. And you have Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal and Tanahashi in the tag title match that just that did not need 20 minutes. I remember that yeah. very well. Did not need 20 minutes. I mean, just Tanahashi is did what he always does in Ring of Honor, which is not much. So, uh, I again, I, mean, I, I thought I I thought the match was good, but again, yeah, you, you could have easily shot five minutes off of that. Yeah, yeah, it was like a Noah show with all the title matches like right at the end. Yeah, and then the Bully Ray. Thing, oh, yeah. that, that was that yeah. was on, on a show that was already going like really long like that segment was sort of unnecessary really yeah. like, it, so, it was it was really bad um but overall yeah I, I i do i you know it is it is hard to you know easy to forget that like that first half was pretty decent. It's, it's yeah. almost like, <laughs> I mean, this is WrestleMania weekend. It's kind of like what happened to WrestleMania. I mean, yeah, where it started off pretty well and just fell off a cliff. Like um, I, have, I have, I have, like I have two, four. I have a four star match on this show with Martinez and Ishii, and then I had two four and a half star matches. So mm. not like it was a terrible show. It's just the second half, you know, didn't yeah. live up to the first half. Like I, I think, I think that you know, if you asked every of your fans back in the day, it's like, it's it's harder to leave a show, you know, with a good taste in your mouth when the show ended, ended like with a bunch of crap, right? Even if you saw really good stuff in the undercard. So, you know, I think that's probably an issue. Um, okay. So I'm scrolling through here. Unless we have anything else to say about Supercard of honor. Do we want to talk about the women of honor titles tournament real quick and how that turned out? Hey, John, do you remember when we did the preview for this show with uh, rich? For the uh, <laughs> big preview, and we, oh yeah, we said Mayu Iwatani is going to win the title. We all agreed that Sumi Sakai was the least likely to win. Yeah, you're like, all right, maybe it'll be Tanil, maybe it'll be Kelly Klein, maybe Mayu if they want to have a real prestigious champion. And yeah, uh, Sumi Sakai. Yeah. So, and, okay. like, and and the final match was not good. It was like, yeah. and and I, I sort of, I sort of understand maybe why they wanted to put give her like the title sort of like, you know, a gold watch sort of thing. Like I said, in my final battle, you know, preview review, but did she really need to have the title for eight months? <laughs> no, she definitely did not. And I don't even get the gold. Like, I don't know. Like you think Sumi Sakai is some ROH legend. Like, well, well I, don't know. I, I, I thought the golden watch is more because she has like, I don't know. She's like helped you with the new Japan. Like she's, she helps with the new Japan thing. 
Yeah, like I know. You're, I, but you're trying to get this division off the ground. <laughs> I, know. I mean, let's face it. They don't have the deepest roster of female talent. Like, Look, she, she, help, she, let, she helped show and yo. Stay with her. So. Well, you know, let's give her the Airbnb <laughs> award of the year. We don't have to give her the title and have her be sticking up these shows. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's great. I mean, she, look, I, I, did I ever tell you I, I saw her at Woodbridge Center once in New Jersey? Like, just, um, I was just hanging out there one day this, I think this year, like visiting friends in New Jersey and just walked by with uh, some big white guy who I, I assume must have been a wrestler. I had no, who he was, I have no idea. So yeah, I think you know her being champion just goes to like the larger problem with the division that's sort of been going on really since at least this version of it started up because we all know that you know throughout the company's history they've been going like start and stop with the women, like they try to start it up and then they just go away and then they start up again and then it will go away again and then you know they started up this most recent one and it took them you know it took them three years to even like create a title and then even then like and i I think this is the biggest problem is that they didn't over these last couple years they did not acquire if if they were really serious about like doing an actual division this time they did a poor job of like acquiring the actual talent well okay here's here's the thing though i is there is a talent out there though well i'm talking more i'm talking more I'm talking okay. more about like when they first started the division in like right, but like I'm just I'm just saying like in general I just think a big problem is like there's just you know there's barely enough men right <laughs> to like love to to sign I mean there's just not enough women on the U.S. scene to support like full divisions and all these promotions it's just like right WWE signs anybody with a pulse and like they're just not I mean they had even like uh oh god what was that what, what was that Diana yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she, 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 she was somewhat of a focal point, but you know, yeah. given the fact that she was working pretty much everywhere, I think it was sort of a given that she was going to leave for WWE at some point. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just saying, like, there's just not a lot of women on the U.S. scene to sign at this point. Like, right. who, who, like, who is this big? Maybe, maybe I'm missing people. Is there a lot, a ton of talent on the U.S. indie scene that WWE hasn't signed that's like available? Well, I think it's, part of the problem now is that you know they're going really hard on the women push in like WWE and NXT. So they're signing women at a faster rate than even the men. Really, yeah. Think about it. I just don't. Yeah, I just don't know. And the talent pool is not deep enough to right. support. I mean, support that many. It's not like the crush gals are out there, but they, they can do yeah. better than what they have. Like they have to do right. better. <laughs> yeah. not, like no offense to anyone, but they, I mean, come on. Yeah, when, just, when they announced that stardom deal, I really thought that was going to be like a big full time thing. Like, oh, they're going to fly over these girls all the time, and end up being like what, like four shows or something. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like when and when the stardom girls were around, I mean, they were great, and they oh, got yeah. over. So, I don't. I mean, I don't know. It just I really. Became, I became a Mario Iwatani fan just from her showing up in Ring of Honor. I mean, you know, there's there's so many. I mean, stardom even after all her raids still have a million people. I mean, I, I don't know. Like I, I would, that that's what I would have pushed if I was them. I would have tried. I mean, that's where, even if you don't have to, even if you don't want to work only with stardom, like if I'm, I mean, that's where all the, the women talent that's left is, honestly. Right. And there's a ton of it in Japan still. So you could just, you know, like, what are all these girls in Wave doing that their Wave's about to have a, you know, temporary shutdown? Just fly them all over. Right. But I don't know. They, it's it's expensive, and they don't actually yeah. care enough to do. <laughs> to do that, so yeah, but to, so we get Sumi Sakai. Yeah, but just just to go back to what I was sort of alluding to earlier, um, 
if you if you really look back at like the attempt this most recent like attempt at the women of honor division over the last few years like they've actually used like talent that is now signed to wwe but the problem is like they only use them once and never use them again like mm-hmm. they used um well actually to go back a little th- further like around 2013 uh when they tried to start up the division that year like it was built around mischief who you know was a, is someone who's been around ring of honor for a while but they were also trying to build it around athena who's now ember moon obviously on raw and then they used people like you know Ruby Riot, who was Heidi Lovelace, like once and then never used her again. And then they used Kimberly when she was sort of Kimberly sort of pre WWE when she was, I guess, more uh, more of a name on the indies than she is now, per se. But like they used her once and never used her again. So like the names were out there in like 2015, 2016 that they could have signed, but they just chose not to sign them and decided to go with a more average roster of women all right so war of the worlds uh that was in may i, I was reading through these cards trying to decide if i watched them i i thought i had but actually reading through them i maybe i didn't because i don't remember any of this um i don't I, I assume you saw them uh sean yeah i i reviewed all the, the last there were four shows and the last one was a tv taping so i didn't exactly review that but the other three shows i did, did review and those are on the site um, um, it seemed like the goal this year, I mean, they used them twice, so I assume it had to be on purpose. There was some kind of goal involved to use LIJ a lot on yeah. War of the Worlds and on Global Wars. I, I don't know if that's like you can kind of see it from both perspectives why they want to do that. Where you know, maybe Frank Water had an idea that like they might lose the elite guys, it's like let's get some you know other new Japan stars over that have nothing to do with Bullet, nothing to do with Bullet Club. And from New Japan's standpoint, I think they really would like, I don't know, it felt like a big goal for Naito was to get him more over in America or something. Because mm-hmm. you have him coming here. You know, he came here another little random tour early in the year. And then he, you know, obviously the Jericho feud, he's probably going to beat Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom. So I don't know, maybe it was like a, it, I could see it being like something we Modern wanted, but I definitely think it's something New Japan wanted. Like to just try to get the LIJ people and especially Naito over as like big stars in America, right? Mm-hmm. And I and so, and I do think they did a, a decent sort of job with LIJ as far as like storytelling on this particular tour, because on this tour, Evil was showcased pretty heavily, where in pretty much all of his matches, he had he had two six man tags on the first two shows, and then he had a singles match with Shane Taylor on the third show. And obviously he beat Shane Taylor on the third show, but on the uh, on the first two shows he got the pins of both those matches, yeah. and that sort of set him up for the um, the world title shot. He would en- he would end up getting in the UK. So in th- in that way they did they did do a good like booking job of like setting that up and putting Evil over as like a, a challenger for Dalton Castle. Yeah. Well, you you about to say something, George? Did you go to the show? Online? I was yeah I was at the first show that was the only ring of honor show i went to this year and i was a little disappointed because we had never gotten a war of the Worlds show and the you know most of the talent had been here before i know i sound like an asshole because like oh fc Naito <laughs> again live Ugh. but uh i think bushi and sonata were the only ones who hadn't i hadn't seen live before but uh no i know you watched this first one this had the <laughs> bully ray cheeseburger match where he just beat the shit out of cheeseburger and then got himself counted out and you yeah. were just appalled at that 
that was no i had a, a fun time at this one it was just you know the remember the young bucks and bushi Hiromu match was uh a lot of fun so. yeah, that was a great yeah. event yeah it sounds like it will be i guess um oh, but yeah the, the uh the three there was a three-way match on this show with uh, i think it was chucky t jay lethal and jay white sort of a late addition to the card because castle was supposed to defend against haven and so they gave Taven a six-man tag title shot instead against SCU, who were supposed to face uh, Chunky T, Lethal, and White. And the, the only reason I bring up this three-way is because that was like one of the weirdest th- three-ways I've ever seen. Because for like a good, like it was 10 minutes, and for a good like nine minutes, it was basically worked like a handicap match with Chunky T and Jay White just beating up Jay Lethal. And then... Yeah it sort of broke down, I guess, Chucky T won, but I, I only bring that up because that was, that was like a, a weird, a very weird match to watch at the time. It was just, it was, it was technically a three way, but they, it was pretty much a handicap match for the whole thing. Um, any other thoughts on any of these shows? Um, the Toronto show had some interesting stuff on it. I mean, you had the, the U S title match with Jay White and Martinez, the punishment Martinez. That was, I remember being pretty good. Uh, they had the Naito Beer City Bruiser singles match, which did you watch that match, John? I, I, you did. I think I might have. I, I have no memory of any of these shows. I really, I think I probably did watch it, but I, I really don't remember it at all. Um, yeah, the only other highlights on the Toronto show that I can recall were the Brist or the Young Bucks and the Super Smash Brothers had a fantastic tag match in sort of the middle of the card. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen the Smash Brothers, but they're still okay. Yeah. Okay, that I remember actually. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. They're, 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 the Smash Brothers. You know, they're they're still great. Um, yeah, and you know the Young Bucks, you know, were their best opponents in PWG when they were. You know, people forget about this, but you know the Super Smash Brothers, sort of like 2012, like they were like PWG main eventers. Like they were main eventing shows against people like El Generico and the Young Bucks and. They were like at the top of the card until they, you know, had to go back to Canada for yeah. reasons. Yeah, because immigration. <laughs> well, so well, since well, since then they 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 have come out and said that they're not necessarily barred from entering the U- U.S. They just need a company to sponsor their visas. Yeah, so somebody so, should do that. Oh yeah, um, yeah Ring of Honor. Especially, yeah. with all, especially with all the signings that have been going on in the last couple months, you know. Well, I, I, I actually, you know who you know. Well, why won't the Young Bucks do it? Maybe. Yeah, they they, they might do that. Yeah. Um, Honor United, the UK tour. Anything stand out there? I could, I'm looking at these cards. They do not look interesting. Um, but I guess it's it's interesting that they, you know, that they went. I guess. Um, yeah, like they, they started. Is, I was just gonna say this is like the this is like right in the era. I guess of like I keep forgetting that like where the hell is Dalton <laughs> Castle. Because I guess he's just completely hurt here. Because like yeah. he's not on any of these shows. So yeah. So it's so like they they started going back last year. Because I remember they had a UK tour. They actually had a, a War of the Worlds UK tour last year, which I think the one show that was an IP like a live eye pay per view had that terrible Cody Sonata match yeah. for a world title, where it was like a it was a no no kidding it was a twenty minute match with the first ten minutes being just Cody stalling. Yeah, it was really bad. Which, like, how could you have a bad match with Sonata? I, I, I'm like really confused by that. But 
Yep. The first show I thought was all right. I mean, you had some interesting stuff on there. Like you had the Young Bucks wrestling Mark Haskins and Nick Aldis. And obviously we'll be talking about those two Haskins and Aldis a little bit later because they figure sort of importantly into 2019. Uh, you had uh, one of the, I guess, most intriguing matches of the entire tour was the boys versus Delirious and Yano. Hmm. Which which was a which you know went exactly how you would think a match like that would go. Yeah. Um, I remember that semi main event was like sort of very average because you know Tanahashi was it was clear that he saw this as a vacation and he wasn't very working hard that much. Tanahashi's uh, always Castle, been on as a vacation. <laughs> and the kingdom were the kingdom and Lethal was the only one who was really working in that match. Um. The main event I thought was pretty good with the Briscoes versus Cody and Hangman Page, but I think that's <sighs> probably the one of the weaker shows on this. Imagine, show. imagine being Hiroshi Tanahashi, just show up like, "Yep, yeah, they paid me to fly here to England, so I'm here, but not gonna do any moves or anything. I'm just gonna, yeah. I'll, I'll play air guitar at the end if you want." But... That's any non-singles match for him. <laughs> that, is yeah. true. Yeah. that is true. That's all. But he like, he had a singles match with Hangman Page on this thing, and I don't think that was very good either, from what I heard. Yeah, they're, they're, I think, were they in the same block in the G1 this year? I'm pretty sure they were, They right? were, yeah. They had it yeah. okay. I mean, his G1 was pretty disappointing, too. But Yeah, um, I think their G1 yeah. match was a, little, was a little better than yeah. their Ring of Honor match here. But the second, um, match, the second night of the tour was a little was better. It had some good, like, Briscoe's singles matches on there. Um, there was a four-way with Silas, Young, Tanahashi, Martinez, and Sonata that was, like, very random. And it was, I guess, okay. Uh, Castle Evil, that I remember that match I alluded to earlier, just wasn't very good. You know, Castle was obviously hurt and he couldn't do much in a singles match at that point. And this, is, and this was like right after his back injury. Oh, yeah. They, that's, they didn't even put this in the main event. No, yeah. no, they didn't. The main yeah. event was pretty good, though, because it was the Kingdom and the Bull Club and SC on a three way, which, you know, anytime you get like the Unbucks, you, you say what you will about the Kingdom, but. When you get them in there with like the Unbucks and SEU, it, it it's bound to deliver, and I remember really enjoying that main event. Yeah. Um, okay. So, are you did you see any of this, Joe? I did not know. Okay. So let's move on then to uh, who cares about Steely? They they actually main evented a show in Texas in Dallas with Punisher Martinez beating Silas Young with the TV title in four and a half minutes. And that's balls. I guess. Well, it's too bad it was it was in support of a guy who was about to leave. But I, yeah, I think what they did there is before that match, they had one of those. Uh, basically, what they do is they'll do these occasional uh, like instant reward matches where mm. if you know if the person who is like the challenger beats the champion, then they get a title match immediately following that match. Oh yeah, I do see that here. It's just proving ground. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what happens, Martinez won, and then he. You know, he beat Silas Young, obviously, which was yeah. surprising at the time because they they rarely, I guess they were trying to put over the idea that, you know, now all these, like, what would be house shows are on Honor Club now, like, streamed live, that, you know, sort of like the WWE mentality with the house shows sometimes where they do a title change, you know, just to say, you know, anything can happen on these sort of, like, smaller shows. Yeah, they did a lot. I did. I mean, they didn't do a lot of title changes on the actual pay-per-views. Like they had two shows where there were none, and I'm not saying you need to have a title change every pay per view. I just thought it was odd. Like these are your most expensive shows, and <laughs> nothing is really happening on them. I mean, they had a bunch yeah. on on TV. It's like I think every title changed hands off of uh, 
Yeah, I mean, paper. I mean, we're about to get to a very, very big example of that because June 29th, at best in the world pay per view. I don't, I don't think a single person had Dalton Castle retaining that world title against Cody and Marty Scroll in the main event. You know, everybody knows he's beat up. Cody and Scroll are clearly the big stars. You know, these these Bullet Club guys that have been, you know, overshadowing the champion all, all the entire year. And he just retains. I mean, that was really stunning. And then the next night at the TV tapings, Jay Lethal wins the title in a four-way, which was even more stunning. So let's let if you really break it down, I mean, the I mean, Cody can't get the belt, right? I mean, he's going to leave at yeah. this point. They have to know he's going to leave. Was Marty over Lethal? Is that or Lethal over Marty? Was that the right decision? Because I I think. You could make an argument that maybe Marty Scroll should have gotten the belt here. Yeah. But then but maybe they just didn't want their champion going to New Japan. Well, I mean, they wouldn't know he was gonna be in a junior title tournament, right? Because uh Hiroma wasn't even hurt yet. So yeah, I don't I don't I don't know what the justification is not for doing more. I, I, I think in hindsight you just give Marty the belt here. But I don't know, like the J the Jay Lethal thing, it's very weird because like Lethal, he he sometimes still has really good matches. He had two this year. For the Ring of Honor World Title, I think, but you know, a lot of times they'll just lay an egg too, and it just—I don't know. I don't know if there's a wrestler that's like pretty good, can still have awesome matches that I just care less about than Jay Lethal. He just feels like the ultimate example of like a guy who exists to me. To me, that, I don't know if you guys. Well, that's him when he doesn't have the title and he's just feuding with random people, like you know, feud with Silas Young, and it's just like. Eh. All right, but I think when he has the title, he's a lot more focused. He's a lot more into it, and uh, I actually thought he, you know, when he's champion, I think he does a really good job of being the champ, like being the guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did it? I mean, maybe it's just what what I like. What we're concerned the most is that he was, you know, like him as champion at all in was not over at all, and they felt they need to put him in that friggin' Randy Savage gimmick. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's coloring me a little bit. Yeah. But it didn't. It didn't feel to me like a, a final battle that he was really that. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm misreading this. You guys watch every week, so tell me. Well, I, 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 I at the time I really felt like that Skrull was like the next guy that they needed to like really push as like the, the face of the company as far as like putting the world title on him. And I I totally agree with you. I was I was totally convinced that I, that Marty was going to win the title from Dalton in that three way, and it just didn't happen. And while I you know I guess. Skrull was probably the more popular choice in, in, in terms of like which one would get the bigger reactions on the shows. I'm guessing they went with Jay Lethal because they know he's, I guess, you know, I guess he's more likely to have the better matches on the big show. Yeah, I would agree with that. But okay, okay. He, you can defend the Jay Lethal thing in a couple of ways. First of all, I think he's stable and they're. They're about to enter a very unstable period. Although they didn't have him signed at the time, apparently, because that that happened months later. But maybe they just had a good a good feeling that he was st- going to stick around. Um, right. I don't. I just. It's it's very weird. It, it doesn't not feel too much like a rerun. Like that. That to me is the other vibe I would get. Where like, even though he he was world champion for a while before that, he was TV champion like forever. Yeah. But maybe because those are those are mostly heel runs, and he turned. Right. Babyface, like right before he lost the world title, maybe it's fine. I I don't I just don't I don't sense a lot of excitement, you know, like on my Twitter feed for Jay Lethal world champion. 
What I would but, be curious to know is what were the plans before Castle got hurt? Like, was if Castle had not been injured, like, would he have been champion beyond this like weekend of shows? Like that—that's what I would love to find out. But perhaps you know the decision to put the title on Lethal was sort of, and this is just me speculating. Maybe it was sort of just a last, or a, a not a last minute decision, but a late decision to be sort of like you know. You know, we gotta get the title off Castle, but we want to put it on someone who can, I guess, be a sort of a, I guess, a stopgap until we're ready to put the title on the next guy. So I guess maybe that was sort of their logic behind that. And and to be fair, they did do a decent job of sort of building up. When you look back on it, they did do a decent job of building him up to that moment where he had is basically his storyline throughout the first half of the year was sort of he was after he lost to castle at the anniversary show is that he was going through people who had beaten him previously and on the best in the world show Kushida was that last person that he had to beat to sort of you know avenge all those losses so i guess from a story standpoint like him winning makes a ton of sense but again i i wonder if would he have gotten the title if castle was healthy i don't know what do you think about this joe uh yeah i, I mean something like the Briscoes being 10 time champions. It's hard for me to get excited when they win the belt again. So I don't have a big problem with lethal. Uh, you know, it's been a while since he held it and he's been out of the picture and he's a guy who does a lot better with the belt. So I, I didn't have a problem with him winning. I mean, should have gone to Marty, uh, you know, may have been worth a try, but I don't think it was some big mistake to put it on lethal. Okay. So that's, that's fine. I mean, it's cool to hear. Um, you know, different opinions. Cause I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lack of there's, he's missing something in this reign to me. It feels like a, a good stable placeholder reign, but not something that anyone is getting all that excited about, but um, yeah, it's not, it's not exciting, but it is, you know, you know what to expect. And it's usually, yeah, that's fair. Decent, I guess. So. Um, what about the best in the world paper? This, this is the only paper I didn't see. So if you guys have any thoughts on it, I just didn't, I don't remember why I didn't watch this. I just did not. Watch it was it. the, uh, the uh, Kenny show in Florida was opposite this, I believe. Oh yeah, I think I did yeah. watch that. Yeah, th- yeah, this was the weekend where they had the the Kenny show in Florida, while the New Japan guys, well, some of the New Japan guys were in the UK on that uh, war. Uh, what was it that uh, Rev Pro, oh, yeah. the Rev Pro tour, yeah. and then you had a couple of New Japan guys on this show too on the undercard. And the New Japan guys are about to go to uh, to San Francisco too. So yes, yeah. But it's, it's, I guess as far as this show goes, I actually thought that this was one of the best, probably the best up, up and down pay-per-view of the year. Like up and down in terms of like the whole card. Like the only real match that I thought was sort of subpar was the Flip Gordon Boy Ray match. Uh, but that was only because, you know, the match ended. Like, so essentially what happened is that uh, Flip attacked Boy from behind to like start the match. And he basically like kicked his ass for five minutes. And then Boy mm-hmm. Ray just sort of pulled... I, in my review, I, I said that he basically pulled like a video game rage quit. <laughs> or basically like he said, fuck this, I'm not winning. And he just kicked Gordon in the nuts and got himself disqualified. Um, but other than that, you know, everything on the show ranged from, you know, good to awesome, really. I mean, you had the, the eight-woman tag on there was really good. Uh, probably one of the better Women of Honor matches of this year, I would say. It's a lot of fun. Um Austin Aries showing up. We kind of we could talk about that. I mean, Austin Aries was here for a little bit. 
Um, yeah, a, that's true. He had a few. I, I totally forgot about that, honestly. Yeah, yeah. He had a TV title match with Silas Young, and that sort of led into a a feud with Kenny King that sort of, I guess, served as the catalyst for Kenny King's heel turn. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the last four matches on that show were, were really strong. You had Lethal versus Kushida, which is, you know, that's a match that's always really good. You had Martinez and Hangman Page in a street fight for the TV title. That was pretty entertaining. Uh, Briscoes and Yumbucks, I thought, had the match of the night. Because I those those two teams always work really well together. And then the, the three-way was what it was. I thought it was decent enough. Uh, wasn't the best match on the card, but I, I, it wasn't bad by any means. It was it was solid enough. Yeah, the show's kind of easy to forget because there was no title changes. The big title change was the next night on television and nothing really happened. But it was very solid top to bottom. There's really nothing bad on it. You know, and kind of, uh, you know, the Punishment Martinez Adam Page street fight was very, yeah, like, like Sean said, the last four matches or so were all really, really good. So definitely one of their better outings. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like a good show. I just, you know, I, it, it's hilarious that they apparently had one of their better shows of the year on a night where like a lot of other people were watching that freak anything, which was, yeah, kind I remember of I was like on Twitter and no one was talking about, I, I was watching the show on honor club and no one was talking about it at all. Yeah. It was all the Kenny show, yep. but I mean, the Kenny show was kind of a disaster with like the, the mm. camera work and everything. So like just being really horrific, I mean, it did have a really good main event, but other than that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like it's it's very Ring of Honor to do such a good show on a night where yeah. the interest was low. I will um, say, uh, uh, with regards to the world title change, they did the next night. I do think it was a, a smart decision at the time because, uh, in in the sense that while it did air on TV several weeks later, I think like the night, I think the night, either the night the title change happened or like the night later, they did put the matchup on Honor Club. So that was sort of good on them to sort of promote their streaming service where they, they recognized that, you know, the title change happened and they made sure that people were able to see the match almost immediately after it happened. So, yeah. Um, so I'm scrolling through for the, um, what's coming up here. The, the Iron Man match at Lethal and Gresham, they had a series of matches this year. I think most were considered this to be the best one, right? I would say so. Yeah. So like, it's been very interesting because those like series of matches felt completely different from everything else in ring of honor this year. Yeah. I guess the best way I would describe them is that they felt like matches you would have seen in like evolve like two or three years ago. Like when like people like Thatcher and, you know, Busick and Gulak and whatnot were there. Like it felt like one of the, like it, it felt like a match that you could have put on any evolve show from like 2015 or 2016 and it would have like fit right in there like really mm. like really technical wrestling you know just a lot of sort of really jonathan gresham style matches um yeah and even though like gresham really hadn't been like pushed up to that point when he had those matches with lethal um because he, he did he did sort of do some stuff in 2017 when he was part of that stable with the machine guns and jay white um, he, he, they really hadn't put much focus on him, and even though he doesn't exactly have the best win loss record before that, uh, I do think that the these matches did help elevate him a lot, and I yeah. do like how they they and and it did work to some degree because they they 
one of the stories they were telling throughout the matches were that Gresham's finishing hold was the octopus hold, and he would try to put it in on lethal in the first two matches, but he couldn't get it. So in the Iron Man match, when it's getting late, and it's a 30-minute match, I think, or at least the, the, the time frame, then they went to overtime, but he's he's finally gets lethal in the octopus hole like two or three minutes left in the in the regulation and lethal just tapped out immediately and the the place went bonkers when he actually got lethal to tap out and had the lead momentarily in the match so yeah i i do think that the matches again even though gresham wasn't really pushed that much beforehand i think they did do a really good job to elevate him a little bit more and that yeah. third match was definitely the best of the of the. Three. I mean, I I only saw this one, so that's why I was asking. But this one was awesome. I mean, it's in my match of the year list. So. Really, the Iron Man? Yeah, the Iron Man. Okay. Like, why you disagree? Oh no, no, no! I, you're not talking your overall. You're just talking Ring of Honor. No, right? no, no, my Ring of Honor. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in mine too. Yeah, it was again. Matches were like so different than everything else. I think that's yeah. what made them stand out. Um, Joe, did you see any of those? Do you have any thoughts on the Lethal? Yeah, no, they were they were really good and different. And uh, I didn't, you know, check out a lot of um, house shows on Honor Club, but I, when those two matched up, I would definitely seek those out. Yeah. Um. All right. So Honor reunite. Anything interesting there, Sean? It doesn't. I mean, that, um... when they announced that tournament, it's like this is. No offense, but this is like right in the middle of the G1. And it's like, who could give a shit about a ROH International Cup? I don't know. It was right after the tour. Yeah. Uh, Did they, did they, I forget, did they use any New Japan guys on that, on that tour? I think they might have. They they didn't have anybody. Okay. Well, I do think that this particular tour was sort of an indicator of one of the signings that would come up, you know, just in the last week. Because they did push Mark Haskins pretty heavily in that yeah. tournament. Like he obviously he won the thing and he beat some he beat some like prominent names in the company. Like I think he beat uh, He beat Hangman Page in the final. Yeah. And he beat Gresham and Gordon along the way there and he got a yeah. little title shot against Jay Lethal. So, you know, and he had been used he was used on the previous UK tour, and I think he was used on one of the UK tours last year too. So it's yeah. clear that ROH liked them, and I think, you know, now that they've signed him, it makes a, a whole lot of sense. All right, let's blast into. I want to get before I because we're going a little bit long. I want to wrap up the interview part. So I want to talk about a show I fucking hated, which was just before Dishonor. Um, I mean, look, this again, this almost was saved by the the main event, which ended up being really, really good. Again, on my match of the year list, Lethal and Osprey. You know, on my Ring of Honor match of the year list, awesome match. You know, a match I went four and a half on. It was just they just went out there and killed it. But like. The undercard is just like one of the worst undercards. I mean, I'm just going to read off these matches because they were just all awful. Kenny King against Jushin Liger, awful. And just a really bad, stupid heel turn as a finish. Just really bad. Briscoe's an addiction. Pretty damn bad. I just, 18 minutes, it felt like it went 30. Uh, Simi Sakai against Neil Dashford, pretty bad. Pusha Martinez against Chris Saban, pretty bad. Table elimination tag team, pretty bad. The only thing, actually, sitting through all of that, we get to the semifinal. Which, which is just a Bullet Club Chaos 10-man tag, which is like, you know, you can see that on a million New Japan shows. It really wasn't that big a fucking deal. I mean, they, and that was like the main, one of the main hypes for this show. It's like, oh, the Bullet Club and Chaos. And it's like, maybe if you're there live, it's a big deal. But if you watch New Japan all the time, it's like, why would you care about a, you know, 
a 10-man tag like that. It just doesn't make any sense. But, I mean, the match was fine, but, like, it just was not worth seeing through all of, all of that crap for. And then the main event was awesome. So the main event kind of saves it again. It's like at least you go, you leave with a really good match. But, oh, that undercard is just so awful. Yeah, the, fr- the, phrase, the phrase I would describe, or the phrase I would use to describe the undercard is painfully, like, average. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't even know if I'd go that far. I, 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 I didn't... I didn't I mean, the only match I really disliked was the tables match. Everything else in the other card I thought was like, ugh, like this is like around like, I think if my, if I could remember my review correctly, it was a lot of like ranging like from two and a half to like three star matches. Like they were, they were perfectly, I thought they were mostly like, these, these are totally like, okay. But for like a pay-per-view, this is not what you want for, you know, a, a pay-per-view card of any kind, really. I mean, if if you if those were like thrown on TV, I guess they'd be like okay, just okay TV matches. But for again, for pay per view undercards, a little disappointing. And the fact that they were running a uh, larger venue this time around, uh, where there was, was yeah, but it looked so empty. Yeah, that didn't help either. I don't know, Joe. What do you think? Yeah, I'm closer with Sean. I didn't think it was terrible on the undercard, but certainly no one really gave a shit, and the building was like just empty. But uh, no, I like the you know, I like the ten man tag. I, it's fairly superfluous, but I thought it was it was good. And the main event was great. But again, another pay per view where no titles changed hands. You know, we saw Sumi Sakai and like, well, at least they'll put it on Daniil uh, <laughs> Dashwood. But I guess she has that uh, skin condition or some kind of problem. Yeah, and, and she also she also like, had a shoulder injury, I guess. Too. Yeah, but that was like the the like watching it live. It's like, what the hell? Like, what are we doing? Um. Anything anything else from the show stand out, Sean? Um, well, the only really other thing of note is that uh, Jeff Cobb showed up on this show. Oh, yeah, and that's then, true. And then at the TV tape weeks the next night, he beat Punishment Martinez in, for the TV title in less than, I think, less than two minutes because, as we found out that weekend, Martinez was <laughs> headed to WWE. That, that, one, that one fucking floored me, I have to be honest. I don't know how you guys yeah. felt about it, but like, I did not think Punishment Martinez was on the fucking radar. It's just like, it, wow, they just... They're gonna sign everybody now. Yeah, <laughs> is he tall? Yeah, well, fucking sign him, brother. It sort of came out of nowhere, but in hindsight, it kind of makes a little more sense because when you think about it, I think he's like thirty-six or thirty-seven, and with yeah. a guy of his size, it's really now or never if he wants to go. Plus, um, his you know, it's been well publicized at this point. You know, he broke into the business with Mount Riddle through the Monster Factory and. Yeah. Matt Riddle just been signed at that point, so not totally surprising that he went to join someone in WWE who he's you know obviously very familiar familiar with and knew very well from his early days. But yeah, no, it was it was like one of those things where it really felt like it came out of nowhere. Yeah, and people, you know, Cobb did his story where he trashed the top prospect tournament, which people, <laughs> you know, people kind of laughed at. I mean, you know, Jeff. Is it's like trading for a, a good you know, trading a draft pick for a good player. Like if you get a good player, it's probably better than anyone you get in the draft. So, you know, Jeff Cobb's better than anyone they would have gotten out of any kind of top prospect tournament, which was a complete dud last year. Like, you know, Josh the Goods Woods is still doing nothing. Stumbling, yeah, doing nothing on the undercard. So, you know, I don't it, it really doesn't bother me. That's how they introduced him. Um, okay. So let's see. The survival of the fittest. I mean, I just want to. I didn't see it, but I just want to quickly say that I like the idea of bringing in like different people. 
Mm. Uh, it looks like they're using Luchasaurus again. I, they are. They actually, are they using? Is there any plans to use Tracy Williams again? I don't know. That's actually one of. So, I mean, we can get into a little bit this a little bit later. But when I was sort of thinking about the show. I sort of was thinking in my head like who's been like who's leaving, who's been signed, and I think Williams is one of those guys that's sort of in a sort of with Luchasaurus in, in the sense like he's like he's sort of in that gray area where he's being used more but we don't know if he if they're like actually like signed yeah contract so but yeah no i like the fact that they sort of that tournament was a little more diverse because you had you know your andrew everett's and your pj blacks and you know tracy williams luchasaurus yeah. some um, all guys in there too just yeah. diverse field which for survival the fittest i guess is a good thing uh and then right after that was global wars which i th this is where the year felt like a crater to me because I, I tried to watch all these shows. I just could not get through them. Um, I don't know if it's just like, there wasn't a ton that I would call bad per se. It just, it just all felt so dry. And so like, I don't know, like pointless and just like, like, I don't, like what was the big thing I was coming away with on these shows? It's like, it felt like Bully Ray was being pushed harder than anything on these fucking shows. And, I mean, you know, God bless the guy, but if Bully Ray is feeling like your top pushed act in 2018, that's that's not very good. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's not just really. not not a great idea to for for fan interest or for making me want to stick around. And it, I just it felt like so much of these shows was built around him. When you're going to have people like me parachuting in to to watch Lij, and it's like, why would you spotlight him so much? It's just so weird. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I had a chance um, to go to one of these shows, but I passed because it was just kind of the same. You know, it was Lij again and uh, Kushida, and I think Juice Robinson was like, kind of like the only new guy, but he was fighting the bouncers in Massachusetts. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I can I can skip this with a hearty conscience. So yeah, I mean, and the only thing on these cards that that I would have been excited for was on your show, uh, Naito and Hangman Page, and they ended up having like a really disappointing match. Mm. I don't know, just they just didn't. Neither guy seemed like they really gave a shit, and they just. It just felt like nothing. I mean, Naito, Naito's very hit or miss, I guess, when he works these cards. Because then, like the next night in Buffalo, like he felt like he looked like he was pretty hyped up to work the Young Bucks for some reason. I mean, him and Sonata and the Young Bucks had a pretty fun match, and it's like, I don't know, it's very yeah. He just he takes nights off, I guess, but like he just he looked like he didn't give a shit about the semi main with Paige, which was really weird. I I enjoyed that match, but it, it sort of felt like to me one. Of, it felt like a G one match that you would have seen on one of those like, like one of those smaller shows, sort of like in the middle of the tour, where you're yeah. where you know you're not going to get a ton of you. You know you're going to get a bunch of like really good matches, but you know you're not going to get anything like like spectacular. That's what it sort of felt like. And then you know the the sort of like ref botch thing at the ending hurt it a little bit too. Yeah. I, mean, I just I never made it to Toronto. Honestly, I, I fully intend to watch all four shows, but like I don't know, like those three shows are just so like dry. And then that fourth show, there was just like like Naito was fighting. Um, what the fuck was he? He was doing something really stupid. He, he, he was he was, he had a match. He was teaming. Yeah, he was teaming with Bushi to fight the fucking kingdom. I'm like, okay, well, I think I can. I don't need to see that. I think on that show he was. They were supposed to face. I think it was Dalton Castle and Juice Robinson. But obviously um, the card had to get shoveled around a bit when yeah, he yeah. hurt. So well, well, well the, the way it got shoveled did not leave me wanting to watch no. it. And because I would I would have been watching it after the fact. So 
And like Lethal and Kenny King as the main event was like, I don't know, the ultimate skip for me. So like, I didn't end up watching this show. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just it, it, to what Joe said, it did feel kind of samey since LIJ was there in the last tour and it was like the same cities. So right. I think they added Maine. Maine was like new. No, Maine, other than that, yeah. I don't know that was the exact same. It just felt like, you know, War of the Worlds again. <laughs> Very weird. I think there were there were a couple interesting matches on the tour. I think uh, Buffalo had a lot of fun matches with. I think it was the four way with Kushida against like Bushi, Flip Gordon, and Gresham. That was really good. Jeff Cobb uh, beat Evil clean in a singles match, which was I guess sort of a big result. Which sort of tells you that if you know if New Japan's allowing Evil to lose to somebody like Jeff Cobb, you know he's been used in New Japan already. But they obviously you know. Getting a win like that over Evil, who's you know main evented shows in Japan against like Okada, and has beaten people like Okada and Tanahashi, you know that's yeah. sort of a sign of what they have got plans potentially for Cobb. But you know the Young Bucks LIJ match on that show was really good. Um, I think on the Toronto show had another great Super Smash Brothers match against SCU. Um, I'd say Robinson, Juice Robinson, and Beretta is worth checking out too. It was that was sort of a weird match because you could tell that it was a match that if it was in Japan, it would have worked a lot better. But the Toronto crowd on that particular one, they, they seemed like they were reacting for some stuff and not really for others. So, you know, mm. again, it was a, it was I thought it was a great match, but it sort of felt like the match where it would have if it happened in like Cork and Hall or something, it would have gotten over a lot better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Like the trying to think of the best way to put this it wasn't like it wasn't like it was bad but it just felt so samey that like i just and like bully ray was pushed so heavily on the show that that, that i think was the main turnoffs but yeah um i guess let's quickly move on because we got we've got to do like the last part of the year here and move on to the looking at next year so final battle that obviously just happened and you know i, I assume joe you saw the show yep I was, and Sean and I were both there. Um, I think I was more negative on the show than virtually anybody. So I don't want to act like my opinions were um, universal or anything because they clearly weren't. But this was like a two match show to me, and both the matches were very early on into a four hour show. So that may have been why it just didn't work for me and I felt like it dragged heavily. I mean, look, the two matches, I came there to see, you know, Cobb and Page, which over-delivered a lot, I think. Like oh, I, was yeah. expecting, I was expecting a good match, and they went out there and had a four-star match. So, like, that was a great start. You know, to be the really our, our match three, but really match two on the show. So they went out there and had an outstanding, like, th- I mean, they went out there and had a New Japan match. I mean, that's what that was. Yeah. I mean, they just had a total New Japan match, and the crowd just completely ate that up. And you know, obviously that's what I want to say. You know, that's the kind of style that I like. And then Zach and Gresham, you know, again, that to me was a little more disappointing, and it was still it was still good, you know, like still like a three and a half star match, but like, you know, it only went like twelve minutes, and it just felt like they were saving something for you know maybe some rematches. Yeah. But it was you know, I mean, to have one match over deliver and one match under deliver and still be be good, that you know, that's fine. But like the rest of the card, <laughs> I just was you know the one of honor match was nothing. Uh, Matt Taven versus Dalton Castle just felt like nothing to me. Marty Squirrel and Christopher Daniels just felt like it went on forever. Um, the I Quit match, obviously, was funny, but it was also... And it got really over in the, in the building. So the people who came, other than me, loved it. 
but I was bored for most of that. It's just not really my thing. By the time it, it turned into like Sandman showing up and everything happens, like, okay, well, that's that's fine. It just it was funny, but like it just wasn't that fun to sit through live. I didn't I didn't feel. Um and people who watched on, on tape said maybe, you know, like having the angles and the close ups and stuff made it a little more fun. But um the wall title match, just twenty four minutes for Lethal and Cody just I mean, I, I went a quarter star on that, um, which is brutal, obviously, and I'm very being a little harsh, maybe, but like, I really almost fell asleep sitting there. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, and I was, I was there with, I was there with my girlfriend, who's never gonna be the biggest wrestling fan anyway, but like, so it has to be really good for her to be into it, and she just did not give a fucking shit. I mean, she, she just really. She looked, kept looking at me during this, like, when is this going to be over? And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know, honey. It's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna keep going apparently. And like it, that bizarre, like fake Montreal spot, it was just like, oh, yeah, that was. And and I, I think the fact that so they announced beforehand that this is going to be a, a four hour window for the show. And from everything that they said beforehand, it just sort of seemed like, okay, they're just going to give some of the matches a little more time. And I figure the show will be over by like, you know, 1130 or something. But yeah. I, I think with some of those matches in the middle, mainly... Uh, uh, Daniel I mean, those, four, and, those, those four matches in a row just drag so bad to me. Right. Like, I mean, that's I, the biggest problem I have the card. I, mean, I liked both, you know... Uh, Castle Taven and Skrull and Daniels, but like the Skrull Daniels match was like five minutes too long, and at that and at that point, I was really starting to feel sort of the four hour aspect of the show. And while it sort of picked back up with Bully Ray and Flip Gordon because everyone in the building was seemingly into that match, it came right back down again for the world title match. And I was like, just bored out of my mind. I was like, can we get to the main event, please? Yeah. Like I, I just want to, I just want to see people kill each other in the ladder war. That's that's why I'm here. So. And and that and that was fine. And you know and you know obviously I don't have any problem with that match. It's just that's not that's not the kind of wrestling that that's my big thing. It's I, I didn't hate it. Obviously, I mean they still did lots of crazy moves and lots of crazy flips. It's just not my it's yeah not really my thing. And the bigger issue with the show, like other than those two matches, why did I come? I came because it's like well. You know, they might be, you know, all these, these elite guys are clearly leaving now. We're going to get some big surprises. They're going to have to do something to make it clear what the direction of the company is going to be. And they didn't. So that's when it was also a major disappointment. So I don't know. Joe, how do you feel about this show? Probably liked I mean, it a lot more than I did, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was not like a big turning of the page kind of show. Like, it was just kind of like another show. And if you watched it, you wouldn't know. Yeah. The company is going to be very different going forward. I really like the show. It wasn't as consistent as uh, uh, some of the better shows, but I mean, you know, I I thought uh, Paige and Cobb was tremendous. You know, like you, I was a little disappointed in uh, Saber and Gresham, but I still really liked it. I mean, I really enjoyed the the I Quit match. Just the, you know, they just piled on like like person upon person and you know the sandman coming out all the people involved in this angle i'm not going to say it was amazing storytelling but i did you know appreciate a match you know i didn't really care for the way they just kind of kind of dragged me into being interested and i really like the the main event so like those four matches were all good to me and very very different too so it's a a show with a lot of great variety 
I mean, some direct. I mean, I, there's no reason for Kenny King and Eli Isom to be out there, and the, you know, they got the again only one title change. It was, you know, the Women of Honor one. They finally got it off Sumi Sakai. I don't know yeah. if Kelly Klein is, you know, an enormous upgrade, but there was some movement there. So, but no, I thought, you know, I thought the extra because these pay per views are always rushed. Even you know when they cut down to seven matches, it always feels like. Yeah. So I didn't mind the extra window. I mean, I just went to bed <laughs> when it was over. I didn't have to travel home or anything. But uh, no, I, I enjoyed that show. Yeah. I mean, it was good. I just don't, I don't know. I just, I, I was expecting more from like the surprise and like movement department, which ends up all being on the TV taping the next night. So no, it was, it was really not noteworthy. Like all these people, yeah. just mm-hmm. nothing yeah. much happened. And I, I, I understand, like, okay, well, we'll do the TV taping. We'll have it on. Like, I think for Final Battle, all those eyes on you, they really need to do something. Like, they, I don't know if you do that Marty Scroll Villain Enterprises gimmick they did on TV here instead. Maybe you do I, just, like, anything, really. Like, just something to make it clear. What the, I mean, the TV taping didn't make it abundantly clear, but at least it, it set up, like, Juice Robinson, who's being like, okay, you know, I'm, the, I'm here now, and I'm going to be... Like Juice Robinson made it clear that he's going to be there more next year, which is, I think, a great move for them. They got more dates oh, yeah. than Juice. Absolutely. I mean, that's a that's a great baby face that you you can make mo- more of. But yeah, I mean, it's very it's very weird to me they didn't do more. I think um, I, I mean I don't think they're doing any new television the rest of the year. I know you no, know yeah. the show after you know I mean technically I saw it before. I mean it was funny because you know Ian Riccoboni is like oh. Jay Lethal and uh, Cody Rhodes had a great match at Final Battle, which hadn't occurred yet when I, I watched it on Thursday, and Final Battle was the next day. That was just kind of the, a throwaway post-pay-per-view match. I think they're doing a Women of Honor maybe this weekend and then probably a year-end after that. So maybe they figured if they did some big angle at the pay-per-view, they wouldn't be able to follow up on it for yeah. you know, three weeks afterwards. That's fair. I just think they should have done I mean, look, um, they. I, I think sometimes maybe they're overestimating how many people watch their TV because... You know what the section I was in, okay, at, at, at Final Battle, the people around me, people, the people directly behind me, they spent the entire time talking about New Japan and like New Japan World and stuff like that. So these are people they're clearly there because the promotion has New Japan people on it, which I think is not a not insignificant portion of the crowd at this point. The people behind them just made did nothing but make the same three being the elite references all night, and. You know, just which got very annoying, by the way, when they're screaming uh, New Year's Day and Marty Scroll for like the 50th time during his fucking match. It's like, you, we get it. You watch the show. <laughs> but it's just uh, like, it's, that's not even a joke. It's just referencing a thing on the show. Um, but like, none of these people had, just like me, when the Sandman showed up at the end of that Flip Gordon Bully Ray match, I was told afterwards, apparently that's a reference to like Sandman had been on TV. Yes, yeah, the, the, the flips, uh, they did a thing where um, you know, Bully Ray had uh, Silas as his representative, and Flip had to pick someone to go against them, and, and uh, he picked the Sandman, who promptly lost. And then they they redid the Tommy Dreamer Sandman angle from ECW, where Bully Ray was beating him with a kendo stick, and Flip refused to give up. So, so the point I want to make here is, no one had any fucking clue in right. my section. Well, that's, they, yeah, the entire reaction, the entire reaction was, "What the fuck, the Sandman?" What is he doing here? Everybody yelled for PCO when the lights went out because, you know, mm. that, that had, like, leaked. No one had any clue it was going to be Sandman, and no one seemed to have any clue that that, that was, like, an, a reference to something that happened before. 
So right, uh, I mean, that's probably why I like the match a bit more because I understood the reference. Yeah. Yeah. It so is. like if, my, no, yeah, my entire my entire section my entire section did not understand that reference. If they did, they weren't saying anything about it. So yeah, that's why I feel very like I at this point to me what felt what was over on the show was the elite and New Japan. <laughs> that's how I felt watching that show, and you know maybe it's just a section I was in, but like you know one of those two things is leaving, and the other thing. You know, they better hope sticks around because they I think they really are going to need to lean on that even more heavily, probably to draw and make up for the lack of the elite. So that's a good transition into. Can I just make a a quick comment about the TV just really quick before we go into that? Okay. Bring it up. And I I think it's interesting that, you know, the the story about Ring of Honor is that the attendance has like grown over the past couple of years. But we really don't hear that much about the TV in terms of like how much viewership they get because it's all like scattered all over the place and when it airs, but even when we do, it, it, it sort of seems like it hovers around that sort of, I guess for the last number I'm trying to remember was sort of like somewhere between like 400,000, 500,000 ish range. Like it, it feels like that the, the, the TV viewership, at least from what's been reported, doesn't necessarily reflect the sort of popularity that we're seeing at the live shows. Yeah. Because I think the live shows are drawn by just like, People who see a wrestling show and know Ring of Honor's name now, people who know New Japan, and people who know the Elite. So, and I think if you if you can almost draw a direct correlation between the rise of Ring of Honor's attendance and the rise of like New Japan, you know, fan interest in the West and the rise of the Elite. So, I think all these three things are connected, and you're going to take one of them out now. So. We'll see what happens now. If you you know you're basically taking the elite guys out, I think obviously there's going to be a hit. Um, just still having the new Japan thing is that enough to keep it from like totally cratering? That's more of an open question to me. And if they can get you know dates on Juice, dates on Zach, you know have I don't know how they could even have even more tours with new Japan guys. They had a lot of tours last year, but you know if they can keep that synergy going, maybe that'll that'll work for them. But if they if the Ring of Honor thing if they lose that too if they lose New Japan after MSG and New Japan goes to AEW if that gets off the ground I think that's a complete disaster for them I don't know where like at this point you're talking you're only drawing from Ring of Honor fans who are like really into like just the name Ring of Honor which I, I assume there's some out there but also like really into Jay Lethal and Flip Gordon and. You know, I guess Marty Scroll until however long he has left, and Dalton Castle, and I just don't know what what audience there is for that. I don't know how big that audience is. It feels like it would have to be a lot smaller than the one they're getting right now. Yeah, I, I, I think, don't know. Does anyone disagree with that, General? Well, I, I think some of it is going to depend because I, I feel like as far as the audience is concerned, obviously the fact that the, the I guess the TV numbers haven't fluctuated that much over the history ever since they've been on Sinclair, I guess is evidence that there's like at least a kind of similar to like impact. There's at least a core audience there that will sort of watch the product no matter what, but obviously, you know, what's going to happen with new Japan and all elite. That's sort of the big question. And unfortunately I, I don't, as far as like new Japan goes, and I guess all elite as well. We're really, it's not a question that's going to get answered, you know, come like Russell kingdom or anything. Like I think as far as like the new Japan relationship, that's, we're not going to really find out what's happening until after the Madison Square Garden show. And with All Elite, you know, 
it's not like they're running shows at the start of January. At least we don't know that they are. Um, so it's really all going to depend on when they actually start running shows and the whole debate of, oh, are they going to get a TV deal or not? Like, it's it's really up in the air. And I don't think that these questions are going to be all answered, particularly the New Japan question, until, like, the spring of next yeah, year. Yeah, I totally agree. We're not going to... It's going to be unclear for a while, and we'll see what... Like, I think by the summer, maybe we'll have a better picture. I don't know, Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know... We don't know anything about all elite. They don't have a TV deal. We don't know when they're when they're running. So, am I the only one who saw that Tuesday Night Dynamite uh, like trademark and immediately thought TNT? <laughs> I mean, you know, TNT did do some kind of deal with uh, some mixed martial arts thing. Yeah, it's not like live events or anything. So, I mean, maybe, but I, look at all the people who can't get a TV. Like Jeff Jarrett couldn't get one for Global Force. Billy Corden can't get one for the NWA. Are they going to go somewhere? And, you know, I mean, ROH has been a good partner to New Japan. They got them, you know, they're selling out Madison Square Garden. They tend to be, you know, and, not and, a, I mean, they'll roll over for New Japan. Like, they'll, you know, they'll let's have their not guy. Forget that, uh, now, but, but wait a second. I want to I bring this. Couldn't you look the other way, too, and say, if Ring of Honor is willing to roll over for New Japan and they know they desperately need them, which they do, why wouldn't they be... Like, if New Japan says, yeah, we're going to do all elite also, we're going to have you both. Like, what's Fair Rider going to say? <laughs> I mean, you're not yeah, going to... I mean, they could certainly do both. And uh, Yeah. I mean, that's but... kind of what... It, I mean, if I had to make a prediction right now, and that's what I think, well, New Japan will say, hey, Ring of Honor, we're going to... You know, we have two American partners now. If you don't like it, fuck off. So I'd, and Ring of Honor would be like, yes, sir. <laughs> because what else are they supposed to say? Yeah. But, I mean, if New so... Japan's going to run more shows here, do they want to split the appearances even more by having double the you know, doing all elite and ring of honor. And then, you yeah, know, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. It's just a lot of like unanswered questions, really. I mean, I guess ring of honor does have some sort of value in, in one way with new Japan. And the fact that if it wasn't real, well, if it really wasn't for Sinclair, that MSG show wouldn't even be happening because it, I guess it was their pushback on WWE's sort of attempt to block them that led to them keeping the date in the first place. Yeah. So I don't know if, if New Japan will maybe then this is totally speculation will maybe sort of respect them for I guess helping them out in that regard. But you know everyone knows that that show even with the elite guys not being on it, that's people bought those tickets because it was New Japan and because it was the first non WWE MSG show in like decades. So yeah, um, yeah. Again, I just think everything it, it's so hard to talk really talk about it in definitive terms right now because we just we don't know and part of the reason why uh the as with regards to like one of the recent signings uh bandito i was listening to um some of the recent wrestling observer radios at uh, work today and when they were talking about bandito one of the reasons they speculate why because people i guess according to Meltzer, uh ring of honor won a bidding war with bandito against all elite and WWE, which was sort of a shocking move, especially when you consider that, you know, Bandito was a featured guy in the main event of All In, and apparently the Umbucks and that crew really like Bandito. But I guess I could sort of see why he went with Ring of Honor in the sense that, you know, with Ring of Honor, you know, okay, they're a promotion that's sort of, I guess even with the departure of the Elite, they're sort of stable in the sense that unless... The, unless you know the Sinclair sees no value in them anymore, and 
again, the only reason why they got them in the first place was because they're cheap programming. And so I guess as long as they're doing decent ratings on their stations, they're not going to drop it necessarily. Um, whereas All Elite, yeah, like, yeah, we know it's happening or it appears to be happening, but again, it, that's a total unknown. Like, you don't know when it's starting. You don't know when the first show is going to be. You don't even know if this thing's going to even be on TV. So I, from that regard, you know, it was, I guess, sort of a, for Bandito, it was sort of like going with the option that you know is there as opposed to like the thing that's like unknown. I would love to, you know what? I, I would love to know how long these contracts are. I mean, I, I think if they're signing for a year, that would probably make the most amount of sense where it's like you make your money and you, you know, you leave yourself open if this all elite thing takes off or right. if you want to go to mm-hmm. NXT at that time. But if I don't think signing Ring of Honor for like two or three years is a great idea, honestly. Well, I, I guess it depends on what stage of your career you're in. Like, I know Silas Young, when he resigned, apparently his deal for three years. And But yeah. he's a guy who's, like, he's in his late 30s, and he's probably not going to WWE. So that's a good spot yeah. for him. And for someone like Jay yeah. Lethal, too, you know, I don't think he's going to WWE. And, and it's not like if he, if he goes, it's not like he's going to get pushed. Whereas yeah. in Ring of Honor, he knows he's going to be, like, a main event guy as long as he's there. Yeah, no, I totally so, get it. I mean, I mean more for new acquisitions. I, I, oh yeah, thinking, yeah, totally. specifically for Bandito, but even for like a Birdie King, or, um, Mark Haskins. Although well, I guess, Mark, I guess ha- Mark Haskins is a situation where I guess yeah, he can't he can't why, pass a physical. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, otherwise I'm sure WWE would have signed him with all the yeah. other progress guys. Um, but yeah, so like as far as all this goes, you know, like you guys are saying, it's really tough to predict anything with AEW. We just don't know anything about it yet. Ring of Honor, I, they're doing a good job signing people five years later than they should have been. Mm. But they are finally signing some good talent um, and some interesting names. Um, what what does Ring of Honor's 2019 look like? Is Do we see an immediate crater with the Elite Gun? Like, is it just going to go down right away, never to recover? Or maybe even a world recover eventually. But is it just, is, are we going to see a big drop right away? Yes or no? Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll say no. Yeah, a noticeable drop. I think they sold. I think the talent was. I mean, the final tally was right around fifty thousand tickets this year, which is yeah, a enormous amount. I don't think they come close to that. I mean, I think I think people. I don't think it's just going to completely die. I think people will give it a chance and see. You know, people know the situation, but I mean, losing the elite is going to have a big impact. It's you know, yeah, even with a good talent roster they sign they're, they're going to get hurt and i just want to note like you noticed all the all the signings they're also moving i think the dojo work to the monster factory which might be yes. the best move mm-hmm. of all because they haven't produced i mean they haven't produced anyone none of their yeah. trainees i mean yeah. cheeseburger is probably the most fa- i mean you know he's like a, a cult act so you know the monster factory has right. turned out some very good people lately and maybe that'll get them some homegrown yeah. talent they can keep on for a bit more yeah, and they're also and with regards to that they're actually also they they're taping future of honor shows um so so i guess they're going to be using the monster factory as sort of ring of honors version of nxt in a way going forward so so here's my issue with that you're doing you're doing an nxt for you know a developmental for a group that's seemingly not willing to keep like pay the big money to keep their guys and they become big stars so i don't know if that's i don't know like it, it is can you do developmental for a group that is still not like the ultimate finishing spot for like people who reach a certain level. I and mean, they spend more than they ever did, clearly. But 
they didn't spend enough to keep the elite guys. So, you know, like, are you just developing the next wave of NXT signees or all elite or whatever the fuck they end up going? But that'd be the question I would have. Yeah, I, I guess it depends on who they're able to produce. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm sure Joe could speak to this more than I can, but, you know, as far as I'm aware, you know, the Monster Factory, I guess, does have a good record. I mean, that's where, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's where Matt Riddle came out of, and I think Punch for yeah, Mark came out of there, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess it depends on who they're able to produce and if there's anybody who they find that they think they could use. Yeah, I mean, I don't... My statements are based off just producing that riddle and punishment, Martinez. And Martinez was one of their bigger, quote unquote, homegrown guys the last couple of years. So I'm yeah. just, I mean, anything that anything would be a step up from the way they're doing things now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So Ring of Honor 2019. We'll see. Basically, that's like the big. It's a big question. Um, they better have something really big planned for the MSG show. I mean, they. I think if you want Ring of Honor, the name Ring of Honor to come out of that show, like, look, you, you probably assume New Japan is going to have a big match for their half. You want something that will at least stick in people's minds afterwards. Is like, oh, yeah, that was the big Ring of Honor match. And I don't know if even with the new talent signees, like if I had to guess what would have been the big Ring of Honor match, quote unquote, before, um, before the elite left, it would have been like a ladder worth the Young Bucks or something. Whereas now it's like, I don't know. I don't know what like the big, like let's say let's say for for argument's sake, New Japan puts out Kenny and Coda there. What the fuck is Ring of Honor going to do for their side of that show to make anyone remember anything other than Kenny and Coda, right? Right. I mean, that's, that's the big issue I think with that show. Well, if it were up to me, I guess the big thing that I would do is I would have the probably again. This isn't like a. It's not a huge match, especially for like hardcore, like our sort of circle of fans. But if I was Ring of Honor, I the match I would probably do is uh, Jay Lethal defending against Marty Skrull, and mm. I would put and I, and I would put the title on Skrull on that show. But what if Skrull's contract is up in a month? <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. Like I, I personally, <laughs> I've heard different people say, "Oh, his contract is up in." Um, like in the middle of the year, and yeah, I've also I've heard, heard the I've heard like the end, end of the year. Of the year. Yeah. I mean, if he's gonna be, if he's gonna be there through the end of next year, I would just I would put the title on him, and then just get the most out of him while you still have him, and then just use him at the end of the year to like put somebody else, whoever that is, just put somebody else over on the way out in a big way. So just just maximize. You have him if he's probably gonna leave. Just maximize him to the best of your ability before he leaves. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts about, you know, about all of this, I guess? Uh, I would say it's going to be hard to tell with the attendance. It's going to depend on the, it's going to depend on like the, what's kind of building. Like I personally, I think that the days of them running sort of these, like 5,000 seat buildings, I think they're going to realize pretty quickly that that's going to be over, at least for now. Like, I think they could still like do pretty well in sort of the smaller venues. Like, and for the anniversary show, normally they run the Las Vegas venue at uh, the Samstown building, which I think mm-hmm. is like sort of like 800 people. Like, I think that's doable. They could probably sell that out for pay-per-view. Um, 
but for like so. sort of these but for sort of these like and i guess a building like the ecw arena as well though it based on what i based on what's been reported about how that taping ended on saturday a lot of people weren't happy about that so who knows how they'll be drawing in philadelphia so what do you mean by that what they weren't happy about it give me so, I, don't, I, don't, so I actually i actually watched the elites final match um right before this uh this podcast we started recording because that match just dropped yesterday uh, they, they taped it for Honor Club. It was the Bucks, Cody, and Paige against Flip Gordon, Best Friends, and Jay Lethal. It was a pretty good match. It ends with Flip Gordon pitting Cody, which which makes sense, you know, given the whole thing with Flip and Cody. But then I guess I guess what happened is that you know the elite were giving their speech, and then a bunch of of the heels on the roster, so busy Boy Ray, uh, the Briscoes, uh, Solace Young, and Shane Taylor, all came out. They beat up the elite they beat up jay lethal and like the best friends of clip gordon and the sh- and basically that whole same ended with just like bully ray and jay briscoe just like yelling at the fans for like five minutes and then and then that that's how the taping ended like they're like i guess the thing is people wanted their farewell with the unbucks and they didn't get it because instead they just had the heels just like that's how the show ended with like a extended like heel beat down of like everyone in that match with like Bully Ray leading the charge, yeah, and, and I guess, like, and, and I guess you heard people were very, yeah, I guess people were like apparently at least from what Dave Meltzer said on one of the Observer videos, he heard from some people that like they they're never going back. Wow, <laughs> so it's a little it's a little much, I think, but I, I get I, I guess I get what they were trying to do with like sort of you know those, those guys are leaving, so I guess put the 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 heat on somebody else. But I guess the fans just wanted to say their goodbyes to the elite, and they really didn't get that. Yeah, that's that's something that they they really said they're never going back. Well, um, wow, <laughs> awkward we'll transition. Yeah, but, but we'll see. It, it, it'll for I guess as far as the attendance goes, it'll depend on like the building size, and I don't think we'll get a good idea really in the first in these like January shows because I'm sure most of those tickets have been bought already. Yeah. Um, I think again, like sort of like the New Japan thing. I think the real indicator is going to be like after April, like after the MSG show. Like, how how are the shows after that going to do? Yeah. Um. So, what do you any anything you want to wrap this up with, Joe, about the coming year or anything else? I hope they get the friggin' archive up on Honor Club. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, be... I think they have like three shows from the first year, and that's it. And yeah, you know, you gotta make up some uh, ground here in terms of fan interest. And I think even someone not—I mean, it's the whole thing is designed around people who are interested in the current product only. And you know, right. I'm sure a lot of people would sign up if they could get the the full archive. And I mean, you know, they're doing some decent things. I like the you know when they did the title change and aired that and putting up exclusives i think that's good i mean my i i have honor club and i liked it because i got to watch all in in the cmll anniversary show and i mean not so much for ring of honor itself but other things they aired but they need like they need to get that up post taste yeah what's funny is that i actually at final battle i i guess i got interviewed by dave lagana for i guess that that documentary series they're doing and they asked a question about Honor Club, and I sort of, in the moment, I was thinking, well, I don't, I don't want to say on camera that it it kind of sucks in some ways because I don't want it to come off like you know I you know these guys are trying to you know I guess 
type of Ring of Honor in some ways with their, you know, NWA style like series. And I didn't want to just kind of say, oh, you know, Honor Club kind of sucks like this. So I just sort of just like, oh, it's 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 good for the current stuff, but that's that's just really it. If only and, he asked John, <laughs> he'd still he'd probably still be there. Yeah, I mean. If only he had talked to you instead of Sean, uh, I'm sure you would have given an honest answer and probably would still be there yelling at him. So, Yeah, but it's like, it, 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 I, if one of the problems, and I'm sure it is like a big problem, is like the music, like I, you would think that there would be a problem that's easily like solvable, like just either just mute the music like they did like when New Japan first started to get big and they were like muting like, had the little like you know uh, this music is blocked for copyright reasons thing and just have the music muted or just like dub it like it doesn't seem like something that would be that difficult to do, but you know I'm I'm guessing that might be one of the holdups right now in getting all those shows up. So yeah, but Ring of Honor not not quick to follow up on things. Mm. Not breaking news there. Um, okay, so let's do our awards. Um, first of all, wrestler of the year. I had no idea who it was going into this, but like going back through it and seeing how, like, how many excellent matches he actually had, I think it kind of has to be Jay Lethal. That's my pick. Yeah. 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 I, I would say so too. I mean, he would not stiff my overall list, but I, I think it kind of has to be him. Yeah. Mo- most of, most of these awards that we're going to talk about really aren't going to sniff any uh, like actual like observer awards aside from aside from like maybe one. But I'd love to hear your one. That'd be interesting. Well, I, I, it, it, it's a pretty it's a pretty obvious one. Oh, uh, the Young Bucks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, well, I, I usually don't even do tag team, but there you go, tag team of the year, Young Bucks. Um, most outstanding wrestler. Is there anybody? Like, I guess I would go at Lethal again because, like, when I get when I did my top five match of the year list, like, he was in almost a lot of them <laughs> except for, you know, the 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 only people that were in a lot of them too were like outsiders mostly. Maybe Hangman Page. Also yeah, I think Page had a, yeah yeah he had a real good year. Yeah, yeah. he had a lot so, of matches like against Punishment Martinez and obviously the match against Jeff Cobb on the last pay per view. So yeah, I think either Maybe I'll go Page. Page one, lethal two, Gresham three, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's a decent set. I think I would put lethal slightly ahead of Page, but yeah, I, th- I think that's a good top three yeah. for the most outstanding. Yeah, and they probably will make like my, I think all three will make my like, we don't know wrestling 100. I have it to figure out the exact order, but I think they'll all be like bottom 50 guys. Um, okay, so Ring of Honor, let's see, match of the year. Uh, well, actually, first, let's do Best Major Show. I think you guys both gave it away that you would pick the show that I didn't see. <laughs> I don't right? think so. That, yeah, that or, that or Final Battle, I think, actually had a lot of really... It did have memorable matches, if not really memorable angles or anything like that. I, I think I would go with Best in the World, just because I, I think it was the most consistently solid show. And I, I liked being at Final Battle, and um, there were a lot of... Uh, matches on there uh, I either just enjoyed or I thought were like awesome but there was also a lot of stuff on there that kind of dragged the show down especially since it was four hours yeah, so it was, it was, it felt know, like a WWE show yeah final or best in the world really only had one match that was sort of like substandard everything else was either really like I, I don't think on that show when I reviewed it I think I I don't think I gave any match on that show like under three stars 
So like everything on the undercard was like solid. And then as we discussed earlier, the top three or four matches, maybe discounting the main event because it wasn't as good as some of the other matches, but that like upper half of the card was very strong. Um, and I guess I would go with the anniversary show, I don't, which isn't a show that I loved or anything, but like as far as like an undercard I didn't totally hate and then a main event that was really good. I guess it would be that by default. They, they, I, I didn't see Best in the World, so I just didn't have any shows that really stood out for me overall. Um, okay, so match of the year list. Do you guys have a top five, top ten? Uh, yeah, I got like five off the top of my head. I've, I've got five, and then I have a, a couple. Uh, I we don't have to do a top ten necessarily, but I could just throw in a, a couple other matches. All right, so who's your, who's, your honorable, who's your honorable mentions then, Sean? Go okay, ahead. Okay, so I've got a couple. I've got, uh, in, in no particular order, I have uh, Adam Page and the Unbucks versus the Briscoes of Punishment Martinez. This was a match that took place at that New York taping that took place in like June. It was actually a, a very good team TV match, like an awesome TV match, actually. Um, no surprise that, you know, we talked about the Briscoes sort of like, I don't think they're uh, sort of as like going downhill as people say. I just think that they're, I, I would agree that they've had a subpar year, but I don't think they've had any really like, Aside from like maybe the machines guns match that they had at the anniversary show, I don't think they've had any like anything like bad. It's just been a lot of like you know three ish star matches, three and a quarter star matches somewhere in that range. But it's interesting. It's gonna be interesting watching them next year because a lot of their best matches this year involved the Unbucks. So yeah. we'll I don't see think sucked. <laughs> That's uh, my opinion on it. But- but uh, next up, so the rest of my honor- honorable mentions got Jay Lethal versus Will Ospreay from Death Before Dishonor. I got the uh, Jeff Cobb Adam Page match from Final Battle. And I got the SCU versus Flip Gordon in the Unbucks ladder match for the six man tag titles from Super Connor Vonner. Okay. So, top five. Joe, what do you have in fifth? Uh, five, I have, uh, might be recency bias, but I have. Uh... Page against Cobb from Final Battle because that, that match is... I, I thought it'd be good, but I was just I was like jumping up and down in my living room watching that match. It was like just a great G one match. Yes, yeah. and I I have that fifth as well, and it was that that was the only time the entire night where I just felt like I was like I don't know at a like you said a G one show. It was just like it felt like a like a great like New Japan style match. So that's you know great, really really awesome match, really great power match. That's my fifth place as well. What do you have, Sean? All right, so basically everything in my top five that I'm going to list off as we go through is going to be basically right at four and a half stars. But my fifth match is uh, the Iron Man match, Jay Lethal versus Jonathan Gresham for the world title. For people who want to go back and watch it, it's uh, ROH TV episode 364, which aired on September 7th, for those of you who want to go back and watch it. Uh, Joe, what's your fourth? I had um, the 30-man Iron Man match, the uh, Mm. Lethal Gresham one. And I have Jay Lethal versus Dalton Castle from the anniversary show as my fourth place. What do you have as fourth, uh, Sean? I have uh, the Briscoes versus the Unbucks for the World Tag Team titles from Best in the World. Third place, Joe? Uh, third place, I had Osprey and Lethal from uh, whatever the hell that show was. Yeah, Death Death Honor, yeah. Thank you. Uh, third place, I have Lethal and Gresham in the Iron Man match. Sean, what do you have third? Uh, I have the Louder War from this past Friday, as as we record this this past Friday. Uh, SCU, Briscoe's, Young Bucks, Louder War 7 for the World Tag Team titles. 
Uh, Chad, what do you have second? Uh, I had uh, Paige and Ibushi from uh, Super Card of Honor. Second, I have Lethal and Osprey from Death Before Dishonor. And... Uh, Oh, Sean, go ahead. Then I have I also have uh, Page versus Ibushi from Super Card of Honor as second. Okay, well here's that's easy. That's my number one. Ibushi and Page from Super Card of Honor. So I thought that was just outstanding, and it was really back and forth for me. Like really, any of the top five, they were all separated. Well, like four on the fifth. So the the, the top four were all separated by like a quarter star. So I went like four and a half on these, the top three, and like four and a quarter on Lethal Castle, but. Um, you know, any of these three could have won. They're all really good matches. So there were at least some really good singles matches in New Japan or Ring of Honor this year. So that's good, I guess. Joe, what do you have as your first? I had a uh, Lethal and Castle from the uh, anniversary show. We all had like the, a lot of the same matches. You and you and I especially. Hmm. Uh, Sean, what do you have first? And I also had uh, Castle versus Lethal from the anniversary show. So Joe and I had the same top two. Yeah, and I had it. I had it fourth. So. It's not like I didn't have it on my list, too. But yeah, a lot of the same matches. So definitely check those out if you missed any of them. Um, nothing that really came close to cracking my overall top 10. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but... Not really. No. I mean, if I if I put a Ring of Honor match on there, it, it'll probably be Castle Lethal, and it might be as, like, that that 10th spot just to put a Ring of Honor match on there, maybe. But I got so many, like, New Japan matches that I really enjoy this year that it's going to be tough to put any Ring of Honor on there. Yeah, I guess you feel the same way, Joe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I probably wouldn't sniff the top 20, but I don't know. Yeah. I think maybe top 20. I don't know. Probably not even top 20. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that was our Ring of Honor awards. Um, let's move into your questions. So we have a lot of questions. Or not a lot, but a bunch of questions. Uh, Skyler, a regular listener, regular questioner. How is it possible, and former guest, I should say too, how is it possible that MLW scooped Ring of Honor on pushing Rush as a single star when ROH is literally partnered with CMLL? Or I should say Roosh, I guess. Roosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Ring of Honor and CMLL don't really have an open communication here. Like, you know, Ring of Honor <laughs> just had some guys come up for star, you know, for appearances, and maybe it's Guerrero Maya and Stuka or. You know, they're not looking like, ooh, Rush is a popular guy. We can build a company around him. Where MLW, you know, they're all in on Lucha guys. I think they go right to like right to Rush and not the office. So, you know, they they're prepared to kind of make him kind of a centerpiece yeah. where Ring of Honor is not really in that position. And I'm sure the fact that MLW has LA Park as well sort of sweetens the pot for Rush since that, you know, that's a few that he's that's been going on for a while and they're obviously doing that match on Mania weekend. So I, I'm sure that was a consideration for Roosh as well. And sort of a way that he could continue his feud with LA Park, LA Park in the US. So I'm not sure if ROH is going to book LA Park ever. But. Uh, okay. So that's there's your answer there. At Concrete1992, uh, Matt Taven, why? Look, I don't. I don't mind Matt Taven that much anymore. I mean, there was one point where he just was like, where he would, like, Kenny King to me is a new Matt Taven, where he's the guy that, on the show that I'm just like, why are you even here? Matt Taven kind of gets a reaction now, which a few yeah. years ago he did not get. Like, at Final Battle, the crowd, like, acted like he was a sort of hot heel act. So, like, I don't know. Like, Matt Taven, I don't think he's a great wrestler or anything, but he's, he's perfectly fine. He's got his gimmick. He has charisma and, I don't know, it's, 
the least of the least of Ring of Honor's worries at this point, honestly. The, the thing with Matt Taven for me is I I feel like that he that people are still really sour on him from that horrible run he had with Mike Bennett in New Japan, where he had the feud with where they had the feud with uh, uh Anderson and Gallows, which was and you you were, I'm sure you guys remember that that was pretty horrible. But honestly, you know I've I've honestly I really never hated Matt Taven. I've always liked him. And that's really from like the second he came into the company when I think it was in 2012 when when he first showed up he had out of nowhere like he came out as just like this just like uh, this local guy and he had like a shocking like I say shockingly good I mean a, like a shockingly good TV match with Mike Mondo of all people as a relative like unknown guy at the time and yeah. I, I, I I don't know like ever since then like he in at least in Ring of Honor I've never really had a problem with him i i think he's he's not a great wrestler he's not a very good wrestler he's a good wrestler i think he's a good sort of mid-card act who's good for your like like the tv title tag title scene is sort of perfect for him like obviously yeah. even though he's getting a push now i would not even consider putting the world title on him i actually ever. like his I think his dumb fucking I have the fake purple belt gimmick is actually like way better than being world champion. It just feels perfect for him. He's right. walking around and saying he's the actual world champion for no fucking reason. But I would so, never, I mean I, I know would, I know there's a I know there's a storyline reason, but it's a very stupid storyline reason. Yeah. So it's 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 great heel logic, honestly. Yeah, he's good so, at his role, but I would never I would never make him the top guy in the company ever. Yeah, I like I I mean I, I have no problem with David. I one of the guys I actually kinda like now. Yeah. I, I think he's actually, how do you I think he's going to win the title in 2019. There's a prediction. Because, <laughs> okay. I, I mean, they got to start pushing some new people. And, you know, he's got some, he, you know, he's got some cachet. He's never, he's never bad enough to get upset about, but he's never great enough to get excited about. But he's, yeah. you know, he's, he's got, you know, a decent act. I, you know, I would like, I see TK Orion and, and Vinny. And, you know, have you ever seen a match of theirs where you're like, like, oh man, they stole the show, or wow, they really killed it? <laughs> that's, that match. That really. is true. Never, like, never, like, it's been like years. Can I please see one of those where I'm like, man, TK, where'd that come from? You know, something like that. But yeah, I think they're gonna pull the trigger on him because yeah. it was so weird when he attacked Lethal at the end of a pay per view, and then like you're like, oh yeah. my god. That's going to be the main event of the next show, and then it was just like that's uh, going to be the. It, it was like the end of death. It was the end of yeah, the, the, end of the death honor show. Yeah. So you're like, oh, there's the final battle main event, and people kind of groaned, but they and didn't. They're just like, eh, never mind. I actually like it better the way they did it, though. Where it's like, I don't need to fight him. I already got. I'm already the champion. Here's my purple yeah. belt. I think it actually kind of works for him. But yeah, I, I got no problem at David. And at and AW, speaking, and just quickly, just speaking of uh, CML, CMLL, as we just talked about. You know, let's not forget that Taven has become, you know, we're talking about a guy who's main evented now Arena Mexico in the anniversary <laughs> so, show somehow. So weird. Yeah, he's uh, like I, a superstar. Every he's <laughs> title holder in New Japan. He's main eventing Arena Mexico, and it's like I don't oh, know what okay. it is. With CML, I don't know what it is with CMLL, but they, you know, he was the first like Ring of Honor guy to go down there, and ever since they evidently they really like him. Yeah. Yes. Uh, at AWQ1985, if ROH could realistically borrow one New Japan wrestler for a year or two to build their tapings and storylines around, who do you want to be? It's a good question. Um, I mean, I don't want. See, my problem is I don't want them to take anybody that yeah. high because I, you know, obviously I care a lot more about New Japan than Ring of Honor at this point. Um, well, I think we already kind of know the answer to this question. I think it's going to be based on what you know it's been reported and what's been said at the TV tapings. It's going to be 
probably a combination of Saber and Juice Robinson. Yeah, but I mean that's who that's who they're gonna have more. I think you'd say yeah. who would right. you want? Oh yeah, I think, um, I think Godo would be. I mean, Godo is someone who's not yeah. doing a lot. He has like Hiroki you know, Godo Ring of Honor. Hiroki Godo Ring of Honor World Champion would have been really cool. I there was a time earlier this year where I just wanted Naito to win the world title there because it's like he was doing nothing in New Japan for most of the year, and it's like so go. It's not like the Ring of Honor you know title scene was lighting on fire. But at this point, I think it was Dalton Castle's champion. It's like Naito winning the belt and just holding it the rest of the year would have been cool. But um, I don't know. It's very – I mean, I don't want that over Naito getting a real IWGP run, obviously. But, you know, I mean, Goto is a great one, I think. Goto would yeah. really benefit from going over and just doing, like, a full year in America and just have a break from New Japan and just, like, you know, do something completely different. He'd be a great Ring of Honor World Champion. So – you know, yeah. I do something like that. And I guess on, um, on Juice Robinson, just briefly, I think it's interesting that he's going to be sort of uh, in Ring of Honor more next year when you consider the fact that if the Wrestle Kingdom match he's in goes the way we think it does, he's probably going to be the guy who's headlining those new beginning USA shows with the US title, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, at Titan Forever 2488. Who, if anyone, do you think ROH should have used uh, the Elite slash Bullet Club guys to put over once it became obvious they were leaving? I, I don't know if there's any good options because, um, you know, who, who did they end up going with? They ended up going with, like, Bully Ray and Shane Taylor. And, like, it's just, there's not a lot there. Like, this roster just, I mean, the, the answer is they need to sign all these fucking people that they've been signing six months ago, at least, and let them come in and beat the fucking Elite guys up. You know, let like some wacky, like, I don't know, PCO, Brody King, Bandito, Mark Haskins connection. Because like all these guys, like, 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 look, if they put Kenny King over the elite, was it going to make any fucking difference? No, because Kenny King's been there a million years. He doesn't mean anything. I get, I guess I could have put Matt Taven over them, but I don't, I don't know if that would have made a big difference for Matt Taven. I just think the answer is they needed new guys and they need those new guys there earlier. And those new guys should have been beating the elite like a drum. Yes. Well, they, know when, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, well, they they did do sort of a little bit of that over the this past weekend, where they they did have Adam Page put over Jeff Cobb, who's obviously going to be a big part of ROH in 2019. And in that match that I mentioned earlier, that was shown on Honor Club for the Elite's final match, they did have Flip Gordon, you know, pin Cody in that match. But as far as like you know, on the main pay per view, you know, with the rest of the Elite guys, it was you know. The Unbucks and Cody putting over guys who are who have been there who aren't new talents to Ring of Honor. They're putting over the Briscoes and Jay Lethal. Yeah, I know when uh, when War Machine left their final match, the Coast to Coast had done uh, an angle where if they didn't win their next match, they were going to break up, and it was against War Machine. And you know, it was a, it was a decent story, and they beat they actually beat War Machine. They had the big upset, and like they weren't any more over than yeah. they were before. So it's not I, you know you can't have like the young bucks lose to coast to coast it's just not going to make a difference and they might be leaving too because there are some other undercard guys mm-hmm. who are free agents like i know beer city bruiser is a free agent next year i know lsg is who's one half of coast to coast has said that he's a free agent next year as well so it's not just the elite guys who are leaving in the scu i mean you got the potential that some of your like undercard undercard guys could be going out too mm-hmm. yeah um, but okay, so 
Um, at wrestling ratings, over under for our wage states next year for the Bucks. I'm going to say under. I think maybe yeah. there's a chance they do one or two, but I think there's a strong chance they do zero. So this under obviously gives me that, but I think if they do show up, maybe it's only a couple times. I'll take the zero, yeah. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't put it past them to show up maybe once, depending on how the Ollie thing goes. But yeah, I, I, I guess I would say for now, them showing up again is less likely than them not showing back up again. Yeah. Uh, MC Levy 76. Why is Brian Malonis a thing? Seriously, why? I don't, I don't know. He was in one of those prospect dormants, right? Yeah. Um, I guess that's your answer. Yeah. He, that... I mean, he's not great, but he's, he's not like he's world champion or anything like that. He's in a very low yeah. position on the cards. So. I mean, they, they, he was in a fun dark match in Final Battle, honestly. <laughs> yeah. So I can't really. That three way, the three way tag, I think, was my third favorite match of the show. Yeah. So it's like. Not I should have that the pay per view, realistically. Yeah. I mean, like, the the best friends were, like, so over. I was like, they were just really. That started the, the theme of the night to where I felt like if you're on New Japan, you were very over. Um, at RBX2000. Is there a champion in wrestling with a bigger talent interest ratio than Jay Lethal? He's really good, but I could not give less of a shit about his run on top. I think we talked a lot about this. This is kind of how I feel, where I think I think I I was stunned when I went back through the year and I'm like, wow, he was in a lot of really good matches I actually really liked, but he still just feels like nothing to me as champion. So mm-hmm. it's a very weird contrast. I don't really disagree. Um I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this, but Yeah. Yeah. We can yeah, uh, at Travis Zick, ROH is screwed, right? I, I don't know if they're screwed. I mean, as long as they have Sinclair and Sinclair wants to the cheap programming, I guess they're going to exist. So, you know, there's worse places to be in. Um, I think, like we were saying earlier, they might cut way back on the giant venues. Mm. But I don't, I don't know. Like, it depends on what your definition of screwed. Yeah. And- I, I, oh, I was going to say, I feel better about their position. You know, the last week or so, yeah. with the signings, and and you know, they're not just going to try to rely on the roster minus the elite that they have. Yeah, right now. that's yeah. a good point. That's a good point too. Ever since, ever since the PCO announcement, it feels like the signings have gotten progressively better and more exciting. Yeah. And, I, and I guess as far as a couple, just other quick notes. Um, as far as Sinclair, you know, it's not like this will be the first time that ROH attendance has dipped under their watch. I mean. I go back to this example a lot. I think sometimes I've been on this podcast before or on the forums, but there is a point in like 2013 or so when they had a, a, like a much better roster where I remember one TV taping in Chicago at the Frontier Fieldhouse, they drew like, no joke, they drew 200 people to a TV taping. Mm-hmm. And that was with a roster that, you know, at that time, you know, this is when like Kevin Steen was the world champion. You know, that was that, you know, compared to like now that the elite have, are gone, it's much better than it was today. But yeah. and but even then, you know, that didn't necessarily bother them. And and again, I guess with the all elite thing, something that I'm very curious to see with them, aside from like the TV deals and whatnot, is the talent. You know, yeah, that's everybody. a great. That's that's my biggest question too. Who the fuck is even left? See, the only, <laughs> the only, the only people for me that came to mind immediately outside of the elite guys and the SCU guys are Joey Ryan, who I, who I think is a given, mm. probably. He stole my fucking heart. And I know he, he wasn't on the most recent being the elite, but they have been featuring him a little bit more, is Jimmy Havoc. I mean, realistically, mm. I feel like Jimmy Havoc is like the biggest 
free agent name out there that's not signed to anyone unless I'm like missing names. And honestly, I I I feel like that if this all elite thing gets off the ground, I don't see any way where they're not partnering up with someone. I mean, they 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 could partner up with New Japan. Obviously, we talked about that, but I don't see any way where they don't partner up with someone in North America, like yeah, another impact. North Ocean, like Impact. Yeah. I, I would I wouldn't be surprised if they do MLW because Phoenix and Pentagon are like signed to that company for the next year, so it's going to be interesting because like there's like I realistically there's like nobody I, I I've been racking my brain trying to think of this since there's going to be since it became clear this like, direction of like maybe ten guys and like the rest of the roster that they could potentially use like say they work with MLW and Impact for instance, like a lot of those guys are signed to MLW and Impact. So it's yeah. not like you can override their contracts and send them to All Elite. I just don't know who the fuck is left. Like, that's yeah. that's what it comes down to. It's like, these, especially after, like, Bandino is a guy I would have said is like a great target for them, and there he's already gone. So it's like, I don't I don't really know, like, who is left on the indies that yeah. you can sign at this point. In so that's a, that is a really... Oh, really big open question. That's that. I mean, they must have they must have some kind of plan. I mean, if they're going through with this, but like, I just don't see what it is at this point. In hindsight, I guess the news of that coming out really hurt them because that that's what really, if you want to look at it, the the news of all the thing coming out as being a potential thing is really sort of what was a big trigger for all of this craziness with the signings that's happened in the last you know month or two. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. It's very, it's very interesting to me. And I just I, like, uh, like you have to run matches other than the SCU against the elite. Like that's really all it feels like that's all they have at this point. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, I just thought about like, are they going to go after CM Punk? I mean, obviously that'd be a big, big name that they could, if they want to pay a lot of money and get, you know, even more interest immediately. But I don't think, I don't think the top name people are going to be a big problem, especially if they have Kenny. I just think like filling out a roster is going to be, and like putting on full shows is the big problem for them. Honestly, so, I yeah. would, if I were them, I would try to target sort of lower card WWE people who are, they're really not doing anything with someone like, you know, maybe not as main of main eventers, but someone like Tyler breeze is someone who I would pick up. Yeah, but these people, but these people are under contract. Right. Yeah, yeah. And the part of the problem is like, I, I feel like that nobody really knows how long all of these people in WWE are under contracts. Yeah. Like, like we know, we know that like the only ones that I know of anyway, are like the fact that, you know, you got the, the new Japan guys who signed three years ago, have their deals coming up soon. And then Kevin Owens is the only other one that I know of. And he resigned for five years because he doesn't want to go back in the Indies ever again. Joe, do you have any thoughts on this? Like where the hell the all elite roster is going to come from? So, yeah, I mean, they have to have some kind of plan to go through it. I mean, they have, they have to know they have to fill up their cards somehow. I don't know how that's going to be, but I assume they have some idea. Yeah, you'd think so. Um, wait, what it is, though, I have, I, really don't, I can't mm. say it at this point. Maybe it is like Sean's partnership idea. So before I get to the last two questions, I just thought of a question I'd like to ask both of you since you're on both shows. Which year did you like better overall for Ring of Honor, 2017 or 2018? Um, I think with 2017, it did have one match that peaked higher than some of the t- stuff this year. 
And that was the Hardys Young Bucks slaughter match from Mania Weekend in 2017. Other than that, I honestly think it was sort of the two years sort of mir- mirrored each other. Yeah. Again, sort of the sense, like I mentioned earlier, where, you know, the similar story where the hardcore fans, like in our circle, aren't that into the product. But at the same time, the product continued to grow with the elite being there, becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. And they shattered their attendance record again. And they sold more tickets than ever before. Um, I guess the product-wise, I, I don't think anything really changed that much. I think the only difference for me this year is that I might not have a, like a vanity ROH match to put on my top 10 list for the matches that Voices of Wrestling match of the year poll at the end of the year. Whereas this one, this year, there's not that like there there was there were a lot of great matches this year, but there wasn't just anything like obviously stand out that would be worthy of a top ten list, unless like you only watch a certain number of promotions and you don't watch sort of the sort of the uh, the, the more hyped up stuff from like New Japan or other places where the the match quality is peaking much higher. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, um, yeah, they kind of run together together for me i think this year was kind of a, a bit more stable they didn't really have those big talent losses you know they had punishment martinez but they brought in jeff cobb so it was kind of a little bit of an upgrade i'd say i think the wrestling was the higher end stuff was a bit better than last year so i'd give us i guess a slight edge to this year and that's pretty much how i feel too there's more there were more like title matches i like this year just i think you know the cody reign last year really wasn't yeah there. So yeah, I didn't. I think I would give a slight edge to this year. Um, so a- Aaron Tob, uh, friend of the show, I'm going to pronounce his name correctly this time. Um, he's asking, "Do you think ROH will be better or worse in 2019 than it was this year?" Um, I'd see better or worse, like subjectively for my enjoyment, probably slightly better. Like I think the people they're bringing in, I'm more interested in than the people that have left with the possible exception of Paige. And I'm just interested to see what the hell they do. I If they get more dates on Juice and Zach, I mean, that's two guys I like better than the entire Ring of Honor roster. So I would say maybe be- I would predict better for me personally, but your mileage may vary, listener. If you are if you really love the Young Bucks, then I can see it definitely being uh, worse for you personally. And anyone else have a thought pick on this? I guess it depends on the creative they have for these new characters. If it's uninspired, then you know it's you know the whole year probably won't work. But if you know if there's a spark and there's a freshness about it, and the crowd hangs in there, you know it it could be a pretty good year. I mean, I think it'll be certainly more the most interesting year your Ring of Honor's had in a while. Whether that's good or bad remains to be seen. They're not going to have being the elite to run angles for them anymore either. Nope. Like their biggest match of the year this year was off of being the elite. I mean, Kenny and Cody. That was a being the elite slash new Japan angle. So that is yeah. interesting. In in some ways, even though it's not quite as ridiculous, it sort of reminds me of when the Hardys left Impact, where I think for that like sort of several month period, they had been really leaning into like the Hardy stuff and that had become such a big part of the show. And then they just, you know, when they left, that you know really changed what the promotion was. Um and I guess as far as the in-ring stuff is concerned, you know, I'm not even though you know he he is a he is a big star and he's you know very talented outside of the ring, 
I'm not exactly gonna miss Cody. Like I'm, I can, <laughs> I'm happy with him not being there anymore. <laughs> the I, understatement of the fucking century. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, and again, like he's he's someone who I feel like because he's he's so good with everything else that I feel like if he was just like a marginally better wrestler in the ring, like he would be like the total package possibly. Um, not Lex Luger though. No, not Lex Luger. <laughs> But I, I think, you know, people like the Unbucks and Adam Page are obviously big, you know, draws for Ring of Honor. But for most people, you know, they're going to lose great wrestlers, too. I mean, it's sort of like when Roderick Strong left, you know, when he, when he left, you lost somebody who was going to give you a great, a, a, nothing short of a really good match in almost every show. And I think with the Unbucks and Page, maybe Page to a lesser degree, even though he, he's definitely improved, but certainly for most people, the Unbucks, you're going to lose a team that's almost guaranteed nine times out of ten to give you a really good match in almost every show. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. And I, I definitely think if you're a big Bucks fan, I totally understand why you're just like, well, there's nothing there to fill that void. To me, it's not that big of a loss. I think almost just that they, they were such a huge presence at the top yeah. of that card that just mm-hmm. nothing else could really get there so I, I am interested to see what the hell they do and you know and those just reading those tv tapings is really interesting now if it's the fucking bully ray show i have no interest in that <laughs> i think a lot of people don't have a lot of interest in that no. as hilarious as that match of final battle was in a lot of ways but if that's just a transition to something else i think there's plenty of you know, there's an opportunity here. Will like I don't feel comfortable saying it will be better. If I had to put a gun to my head, will I enjoy it more? Probably. But you know, it depends on a lot of factors. And if AEW steals somehow steals the New Japan relationship outright, then I think they're in a lot of trouble. And that to me is the big question uh in twenty nineteen for them is if if they lose that New Japan relationship, I think they are basically fucking screwed. So I don't know. Do either of you disagree with that assessment? Um, yeah, I think if they lose the New Japan relationship at some point next year, I think we're going to see more of sort of the nosedive thing that Joe Lanza sort of put forth on the flagship. But at least for now, as long as like the New Japan relationship is still there, I think any decline is going to be more gradual. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, any final thoughts on that, Joe? Yeah, no, no, uh, they desperately need to keep the new japan relationship i think they will <laughs> um at fxk dreaming our last question what's the biggest missed opportunity you think roh had this year i think just to put something just I, I said already just to bring in new the new people sooner and to let them really get over on the elite before they left you know i think if bandito was out there having like incredible matches with the young bucks for the past like three or four months i think it would have gone a long way so I think yeah. MLW really wreaked a lot of havoc because they scooped up a lot of guys who are out there, guys like an MJF or, you know, anyone who got kind of any kind of notoriety, like Marco Stunt, they'd bring him in, or L.A. Park, and they just kind of, you know, have a lot of these guys locked up that, you know, could have been really useful in Ring of Honor. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, no, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the presence of MLW has sort of, I guess, upset things in certain ways whereas if, if they were not where they are now or if they just weren't around at this point i think it would be a little easier for ring of honor to just restock the talent pool 
but with them being there, it it not only you know creates problems for uh, Ring of Honor, but also you know I'm sure if, if MLW was not around, it would be easier for All Elite to sign people. But yeah, yes, yeah, so just just th- just them being where they are right now, I think is you know is has and and again sort of like sort of how like All Elite the the news about that coming out sort of led to the this triggering of all these signings i think but i want to i want to be clear though if ring of honor was doing what they should have been doing for the past few years instead of playing fucking brutal bob fuck around <laughs> then mlw wouldn't have all these people to sign because they would have been signed already yeah yeah so and, and that's, that's still and ring that, of honor's failing and, yeah and, and that's, that is their biggest that is their biggest failing because over oh, yeah. the years not yeah. recruiting anybody yeah and, that, um, and that's part of the problem too you know they I guess sort of in the earlier stages of these tryouts sort of like, or these, these camps sort of like uh, three or four years ago, like when you look, when you look at their track record, it actually, they actually have like found a good chunk of people. But I think, you know, sort of the problem is like with the talent as well is that they're not, they're just relying on the, they've just been relying on those camps. They haven't been doing the camps and then say, Oh, just scouting elsewhere as well. Yeah. You can do the fucking camps. I don't care if you want to do your yeah, Bob camps, yeah. but like, just why not sign half the? Why do they not also sign half the MLW roster? You know, years ago when they were all just hanging out there, it's yeah. very, it's very bizarre. To me, it says basically Ring of Honor had like an X amount of money they're going to spend on talent, and they were not going to do anything until the Young Bucks, you know, and Cody and Paige came off the books. So, which is just mm-hmm. really short sighted on uh, single oh, yeah, part. Absolutely. All right, so that will wrap things up. Went a little bit longer than I expected, but I think we had a good time here. Thank you both for coming on. Uh, Joe and Sean, you have anything you want to plug? I guess start with you, Joe. Uh, Twitter is joegagney.com. Uh, I do the five-star match game here. Hopefully we'll have another episode out soon. I just got to, I guess, write it and record it, and that's all. And I'm probably going to do another uh, prediction show I did uh, last year. I had people send in predictions we're going to review what people thought would happen in 2018, whether it did or not. There were some good prognosticators out there. And uh, that'll be coming up before the end of the year. And uh, I'm in the Secret Santa 2 uh, going on for uh, Voices oh. of Wrestling. Oh, boy, am I on that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I got no. a, uh, I'll just say I got a very uh, young Loki match. Uh, it was like very, very early in his career. I'll leave it at that. Oh, and also at PW Torch, the annual draft show is coming up with myself, Alan, uh, Joe Lanza, and Rich Krejci. And this was a little different for me because I was actually unavailable. I kind of got called away. I could not participate in the draft. But I put together a show based on who was left over. We did the indies from 2004 to 2008. And I had to put together a show based on who was left. And I actually, I think, did a pretty good job. So you can check that out when that drops. That's coming out soon if you subscribe at PW Torch. Very cool. And that is everything. Uh, Sean, what's up? Okay, so I'm going to try and get through a lot of stuff here. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at SACDOR2994. Um, for those of you who don't enjoy my racing takes, you'll be happy to know that there's no racing going on right now because we're basically in the, the the brief lull that racing really has because their off-season is like very, very short. So my t- Twitter is mostly just me promoting my stuff on voices of wrestling and just talking about random stuff. Uh, I'm actually thinking about uh, maybe in the next couple of weeks, just sort of 
sharing my or sharing what's been going on with my uh, extreme warfare revenge scenario that I've been working on over the last everybody everybody loves doing that now couple Mother, months so. yeah I, I downloaded that and I'm doing WCW in nineteen ninety eight so that's that's been really fun. I actually I think I'm up to fall brawl in ninety eight so mm-hmm. they hard for you to book it much worse than they did so yeah it, it, it's been fun and I think I'm I'm doing pretty well with it but um so on voices of wrestling I do mainly Ring of Honor and Evolve. Uh, my Ring of Honor review of Final Battle uh, that took place this past weekend as we record this is already up on the site. Uh, I'll probably be watching the Evolve shows this week that took place this past weekend and writing reviews for that. Um, we're a lot of bunch of that Evolve. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know. It's a joke. I haven't heard any fucking person say right. that. <laughs> but part of it too is that for Ring of Honor and Evolve, I also get paid to write recaps for those shows because I also do work for Fighting Spirit magazine. No, that's cool, dude. I'm just saying, like, I just I, I wanted to point that out because oh, yeah. said, this NXT Junior thing is gonna be great. And it's like eh. right. <laughs> so, Well, I regardless it's been a I'm, month and it's been a month and nobody cares. So. Right. Or regardless, as I just mentioned, yes, I, I do do work for Fighting Spirit magazine, mainly just writing recaps for the uh, the Evolve weekends and the Ring of Honor pay-per-views. So uh, you can go check that out, Fighting Spirit magazine. Um, and I guess the only thing that we can, I guess, sort of I guess, tease, because it hasn't been announced yet, because it's, pro- you know, it's happening sometime next year, but we don't know when yet, is that I'm going to be back on this show doing a, I guess, sort of a continuation of the draft series john after i helped you procure, procure oh, yeah. your your uh master right. garden I, ticket i owe you i owe you an episode the the wrestling omakase golden ticket i guess you can call it <laughs> i can cash in on anything i want to use it for and we're going to be i guess continuing the draft series and sort of please a... please do not make me watch it <laughs> that's what the last golden ticket holder did so I'm not gonna make you do already, that. I, I show. We're doing another draft episode, but I'll, right. I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll let you announce that later. Um, <laughs> we'll 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 have to figure out when we can do that and when like other guests we can get on. But that should be fun because yeah, you know, this past year we did like the current stuff, like current like rosters around the world. But I think next year it's gonna be a little more interesting, a, a different take on it. I guess you could say. Yeah, we'll have to do some different stuff with the drafts. All right. So thank you, Sean. Thank you, Joe. You can follow us on Twitter at WrestleOmakase, not wrestling. Wrestling does not fit. Um, you can keep following along with the year interview series. We have two episodes left. The next one I am recording is New Japan. The next one you people will hear is DDT because the way it's just working out. So next week, the next episode you will hear, our penultimate episode, is our DDT Year interview episode. I will be joined by Taylor and Jesse, both longtime guests, um, the two most prolific guests I think in the show history. So, you know, you should know the two of them by now if you're a regular listener. But they're both big DT fans. Uh, very much looking forward to having them on. Oh, and Drew's on that too. I'm sorry, I almost forgot about poor Drew. Drew is also on that show from uh, X of Burning Spirits. So, all three of them will be on the DDT Year interview show next week, and definitely check that out. Uh, In the meantime, thank you as always for listening, and we will see you next time.